Hello everyone and welcome to the second channel for Tales from the Trip. I'm your host, the Trip Keeper, and on today's video, we are going to be going through my top 50 movies of all time. Now, there's going to be differences in this list between yours. So when I don't have a movie that you like in my list, that doesn't mean you should be like, you suck, which you, you have more than the freedom of speech to say. But um, this is just my opinion. And um, yeah, we, 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 we got a 50 movies list here. And uh, it was uh, it was a fun time to create this. Uh, but yeah, we all have our own opinions. We all have our own differences. Um, but I did make this list on Letterboxd, which is a really great app. Um, you should check it out. You can do it online, too, not just on your phone. Um, you know, if you love movies and you don't have this app, then you're really missing out. Um, I recently just got back into movies, and I've had this app since 2019 because I made a top five list of the year for 2019, and I don't even think I was went back to the app until a few weeks ago. So, yeah, that was kind of kind of cool uh, getting back on it. It felt, it felt good. I felt like I was home. It truly is fun to rate movies and write reviews and shit and create your own lists. Um, we all know IMDb is pretty much the goat, but Letterboxd is taking over. Uh, I love IMDb, though, but Letterboxd is better for personal stuff. You know, just it, it, it's for movie buffs, really. Uh, not saying IMDb isn't, but for this one, it just really is. Um, um, but I don't want to get on too much, but uh, this list consists of a lot of horror movies, as that is my favorite genre of movies. Uh, because when it is done right, it is almost perfect. And the movies, the horror movies on here, I think are pretty much perfect, um, especially the ones near the top. Um, the top 15 are pretty much masterpieces to me, but the rest are not far off. Um, it was it was really hard ranking these motherfuckers. Uh, you would think if you had 50 movies to choose from, be like, okay, well, I got 50 movies. I just enter, you know, I can, I could pick this. And then I just started, I think all the movies I thought of that I, um, that I enjoyed, that I really liked, I put them in. I ended up getting like, you know, 80 in there. And cutting it down to 50 was pretty difficult because I had to knock some out that I really didn't want to. I just had to choose some that were just, that they belonged in there more than the other ones. So, yeah, so it's pretty difficult putting this together. Um, you don't realize how many good movies you've seen until you've done a list. Uh, you know, so I really recommend making one after watching this video. A lot of fun. Um, but there is something my number one hasn't changed for years, so that was pretty easy to, to pick. I will be drinking Gatorade Twitch, as this is my favorite energy drink now. It is a great energy drink. If you guys haven't drank it before, I, I am promoting it, but I'm not getting paid to promote it. Um, because I actually try to look for um, an email to message them to promote it, but they uh, and they're run by Pepsi, so yeah, that'd be too much to deal with. So yeah, um, some of these movies on here I saw recently, and uh, I thought they were great, so that's why they're on here. Um, and they've just outclassed the other old ones that I saw. Uh, and this is bound to change because you know there's still some movies I haven't seen. Um, and you want to see Star Wars, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings on here because I'm not in that kind of shit. Let's just get right, get that right off the bat. So yeah, uh, I don't, I don't like those kind of movies. I, I mean, they're not bad. They're just not like great movies to me. I don't know. They just feel like they're, I don't know. There's something, there's something with it. Like the experience of it is better than the actual 
movie, but what can I say? I'm not a fan of him, so I can't speak on it, but I have my own tastes, you know? All right, so now that we got that out of the way, let's get this shit started. At number 50, we got Reservoir Dogs, directed by Quentin Tarantino, released in 1992. This was Tarantino's first film. I mean, what a way to start off. This is one of my favorite directors ever, and there's one more on my list and many others that just missed. That rhymed. I didn't even realize that. Um, I own the Mr. Pink case played by Steve Buscemi. I want to own all of them, but it would just seem like a waste of money to have all these different cases for the same movie. But I movie. Uh, but I, I do love collecting D DVDs with nice cases. That's always been a hobby of mine. Um, I always enjoy this movie, and it just goes in a lot of different directions, and the dialogue is probably the best part. Quentin Tarantino has always been known for dialogue. Um, so yeah, I want to get through the lower ones kind of faster and get talk more about the ones that are at the top, because we got 50, we got 49 more to go, but we got 50 total. Uh, number 49, we got Blue Valentine. That rhymed. Again, oh my god, you want some brine for your bromine in your pool, bitch? Uh, Blue Valentine, directed by Derek Cian France. Uh, Sia in France. I don't know, I forgot. I had the pronunciation yesterday. I looked it up, and then I, I guess I closed out the tab. But Derek Cian France, whatever the fuck. Uh, released in 2010. This is a very sad movie. Um, he created Place Beyond the Pines, which is also really good. Not on my list, but like I said, top 50 movies, pretty hard to do. Um, Ryan Gosling, he may be my favorite actor. Um, I liked him before he became the cover boy for Sigma Males uh, with Christian Bale, you know, um, but who cares? Who cares about that? You can still enjoy the movie. Um, the movie is just really sad, and you got a lot of unlikable characters, um, but they were meant to be that way. You know, Michelle Williams, she did a good job. Ryan Gosling, of course, he did a great job. Um... I like how there was a bunch of scenes where you could just tell the tension was just, you know, just there and they hate each other and they wanted to work it out, but they just couldn't. And then there was a kid in the middle and just like, oh God, it's just a, a match made in hell. But at first there was like, it would, it would mix mat, mismatch between a really happy scene and then an arguing scene just like, damn, what could have been, there could have been a really happy relationship here. What the fuck happened? And the ending was just very sad and tragic, and, uh, you know, I've seen this movie a couple times now, and every time I watch it, I just feel depressed, and you just, you're just like, what could have been? What could have fucking been? Um, but yeah, I like that movie a lot. Go check it out. I recommend all these movies if you haven't found out. Um, my next movie, uh, number 48, is Fruitvale Station, directed by Ryan Coogler in 2013. I think this was his first movie, too. Um, I was not a fan of Black Panther. I thought it was completely overrated. I, I like the soundtrack to that movie, but... Mm -mm. I don't know what people saw, saw in that movie. Um, really, it was no different than any other overrated Marvel movies, so I didn't really found nothing to it. Um, but this movie, I mean, he, if he went more in this direction, I mean, my God, he would have had a great movie. I mean, this movie was fucking awesome. Um, this is one of the very few movies that made me ball out in tears. Um, I'm not much of the, you know, bawling out crying type. I do tear up listening to songs and stuff and watching, you know, some movies, but I never really ball out like, you know, just completely just get decimated from a movie. But this movie made me just 
get really sad in the ending because it's a true story and it's about a guy um who was um you know there might be spoilers in this uh, in this video by uh so i might be spoiling a little bit here but um it's a true story so i can't really spoil that about a guy who was killed by police i'm not going to speak on that topic or whatever i don't care what you believe on that but in this scenario, it was really sad, and it just shows you the daily life of this guy. It was in one day, and just, you know, it was just really sad. Just it was, He was a very happy man. He was a good guy, and then ended up happening at the end. It was just really, really sad. It just made me cry like a motherfucker. Uh, Michael B. Jordan did a great job in this movie. I think he's a pretty good actor. Um, you know, not the best actor but he's he's always pretty good in his role he's role he's always uh he's always pretty solid um but yeah all right number 47 we got natural born killers directed by oliver stone released in 1994 woody harrelson and juliette lewis are in a lot of good movies i have um juliette lewis in another movie down below a little bit um, the style of this movie is probably what takes the cake. I mean, it just goes all over the place. Uh, yeah, it's just, uh, there's an interesting directing choice in this movie, and that's why I like it. Um, Rodney Dangerfield makes a cameo. He's top, top three comedians of all time. Um, he, he's very funny, and then he's also very terrifying in the movie in his small role he has. I love that scene so much. And it's just funny how, like, it, it, it's just a really weird movie. Um, the only gripe I have with it is that this did inspire the Columbine shooting, or at least one of the inspirations. Um, but that's not the movie's fault, so I can't really give it that. But that's why it's on this list. Uh, I just think it's a really fun and interesting movie, and uh, it just go it's it's balls to the wall insanity. This movie, number forty six, we got Blazing Saddles, directed by Mel Brooks, released in nineteen seventy four. Uh, Gene Wilder and Mel Brooks are one of my favorite director-actor combos. I mean, my God, how many good movies did they create together? There's another one on this list that I love, uh, one that missed the cut too, The Producers, that missed it. Um, I thought that was a great movie. Um, this movie's just really funny. Uh, I just, I, I need to see it again. I haven't seen it in a couple years, but I remember after I watched it, I just thought it was a really great movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just it's just a funny take, you know, it couldn't be made, it couldn't be made today whatsoever. Hey, where the white women at? All right, number 45, we got Ed Wood, directed by Tim Burton, released in 1994. Ed Wood, the actual director, like the actual guy, created interesting interesting stuff. Um, I saw Plan 9 from Outer Space while I was in theaters. That was pretty fun. We, Me and my friend both got high, and it was like a double feature, of Plan 9 from Outer Space and Night, Night of the Living Dead, the original by George A. Romero. It was a fun night. We we watched that movie, and then we passed out before uh, Night of the Living Dead came on. <laughs> so we got to watch that, but we didn't see Night of the Living Dead. Um, Johnny Depp does a great job as Ed Wood. It's another director-actor combo I love. Um, excuse me. I think this movie won a couple of Oscars, um, and it, it makes sense. I love how it's directed in black and white. Um, it just adds to the feel of the the oldness to it, and I kind of like how movies are, you know, that old feel. I I love that in movies. I don't know why. I just love it. And it, this movie is just one of the most underrated movies of all time. Um. 
if you haven't checked it out, you probably some of you people probably never even heard of it, but it, it's just like a really good movie just to sit back and watch. And I just really enjoy it. Um, number forty four, we got Killer Clowns from Outer Space, directed by Steven Chiedo in nineteen eighty eight. This is probably my first guilty pre- pleasure that's on this list. Uh, the acting can be very sketchy at times, but it honestly makes me like it more. <laughs> it's uh. Yeah, there's some bad acting, but like I said, it's a guilty pleasure. There's some movies on here that will be guilty pleasures, so, you know, there's definitely some movies that are better that should be on this list, but movies that I just really enjoy more should be on here that are. Um, But yeah, this one's really enjoyable. I remember the first time I watched this, I'm like, how have I not seen this ever? I forgot what year I saw it in, but I was like, I was like 16 or 17, and yeah, and it was just, I was blown away. Because I just thought it was so funny and interesting, and, and some parts are actually pretty terrifying. The clowns, you know, they're, you know, they they don't they don't step back. They just do whatever they gotta do. They and I just like how they turn people into cotton candy, and they have popcorn guns that turn into little monsters. I I I love that. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty funny. It, well, it's really funny. Um, it's a funny. It's a scary in some parts. It's not really scary really the whole movie except just like some scenes that are a little bit terrifying but it's just mostly what you're seeing on screen that is um but yeah they don't back away um number 43 you know what this is uh you might be laughing at me for this one but Put Jackass Number Two, directed by Jeff Tremaine in 2006. Uh, this is another guilty pleasure of mine. Um, but if you're into this kind of stuff, which I am, then this movie is actually well made with how it's shot and put together. I mean, all the stunts are great. Um, I love it. If you're into this kind of stuff, it is just perfect. Uh, this is my favorite Jackass movie by far. All the stunts in are just like they're they're the best ones. They're gross, you know, fucking disturbing, uh, just nasty ass motherfucking stunts and just crazy ones I would never want to do and you just think about how these fucking people did this um but yeah they're the best in the series um and the ending I just always felt horrible for the last guy in that stunt with the terrorist oh my god I couldn't imagine could not imagine going through that but I'm glad I never did and I hope I never will uh cause I'm not gonna be part of Jackass so um I wrote 13 pages of this shit. I'm trying to get through this. And we're only on 42. How many minutes are we in here? We're in 15, basically. So, all right. We're at number 42, 15 minutes in. Uh, number 42, we got Evil Dead, directed by Fede Alvarez, released in 2013. Not the original, which I really enjoy. This is a really great franchise, by the way. But, um, yeah. Uh, most of Fede's movies are really good. I like uh, I like the direction this Evil Dead took as it's actually scary in parts and straight away from the comedy. There's really, much as I can think of, there's really no comedy in the movie um, unless it's just like unintentionally funny. Um, but yeah, I, I think this franchise is really good. There's pretty... There's really no bad movie in this franchise. Uh, even the new one I thought was pretty fucking awesome um, except for the one scene with the eyeball don't understand why they put that in there that just made no sense really made no sense whatsoever uh excuse me when i talk a lot man i swear to god it was just i gotta um i love how they work with the plot with mia being a drug addict and that's what they think is wrong with her at first i think that's a good idea to keep her in the fucking cabin just like how um 
you know, found footage movies. Why are they still recording when you can just run away? That's just, I, I like what they did with that. And I've seen this many times, and it's just so much bloody fun. Literally, it is just so bloody and gory. I just love it. I love the goriness to it, and uh, it's just so fucked up. I love it. And it just takes you, you, you don't know who's going to be the, um, you know, the protagonist in the movie ends up being like, you think it's going to be her brother and it's not, I mean, this guy, he casts the spells or not the cast a spell. He reads the book and you're just like, well, he's probably not going to survive, which, you know, yeah, you'll see. Uh, but yeah. All right. Number 41, we got the witch directed by Robert Eggers released in 2015. Um, I hated this movie when I saw it in theaters, to be honest, but, um, I was absolutely blown away with my second viewing. Um, it was funny cause the guy in the theater that was up front, he was like, he got up, he was like, that movie sucked or some shit like that. He said it sucked really bad. I just thought that was funny cause I agreed with him at the time. Like, yeah, that really did. I was waiting for this movie and it was that come on. But I was 15 years old. I rewatched it when I was 19. I'm like, okay, everyone raves about this movie. I'm going to give it a second chance, and I'm glad I did. Um, Eggers is probably my top five of current directors, and I seriously cannot wait till Nosferatu comes out because um, that's one of my favorite horror movies of all time as well. Um, and I, I just love the way he writes his scripts because they're historically accurate, and they're just great, and they're they're smart movies. I love it. Um, the Lighthouse just missed out on this list. Um as I really, that was part of my top five in 2019. I really loved that movie. And I thought The Northman was really good as well. Uh, I liked that movie. Um, but with The Witch, the paranoia, the natural lighting, the creepiness, and Black Phillip are what make this movie 41st on my list. Um, this is definitely not the movie you want to watch with other people at a Halloween party. Um, and I, I, I just love the ending and uh, The Witch or the implication of her. It's just, you, you know, you don't see too much of her. But when she does come out, it's like, oh boy. Number 40, my first animated film on this list, uh, Shrek 2, directed by Andrew Adamson, Kelly Asbury, and Conrad Vernon in 2004. Now, Vernon, he made Sausage Party, or at least helped, which was horrible, uh, but this wasn't. This was way better than Sausage Party. I mean, my God, Sausage Party was fucking god-awful. Um, I always preferred this Shrek movie over the original ever since I saw it, but the original is still really good. Shrek has always been a weird franchise. Um, the third and on are just really not good to me, but the first two are pretty iconic pieces of media. Um, I wouldn't call this a guilty pleasure either because it's just so well made and I've loved it ever since I was a kid. Um, so I guess maybe it's a little bit of both. It's like I can still enjoy it now. Um, because they still have some adult humor in it, you know, it's just some it's things you don't pick up as a kid, and you can just still enjoy it, and just get a bunch of nostalgia, I used to have the Shrek 2 Monopoly game, that was a lot of fun to play, uh, it, it, and it's probably honestly one of the best sequels of all time, if I'm being honest, like just looking at every single movie that's been out there, this has to be up there, um, I just, I, I loved all the characters, and I wanted Prince Charming to fucking die, and get shot or something, you know, now, there'd be no guns in there, but, well, you know, we'll see. I'll bring one. All right. Number 39, we got Pulp Fiction, directed by Quentin Tarantino in 1994. Once again, we got Quentin Tarantino. Uh, 1994 seemed like a pretty fucking great year for movies. Um, 
Now, this is a pretty obvious, you know, my favorite Tarantino film. There's, I mean, all of his films are really good. It's it's hard to, you know, put them all in the top 50. If they're all in your top 50, that's great. Uh, I just couldn't put them in because there's so many other movies that I had to choose. But um, usually Pulp Fiction is in other people's tens, top tens. Uh, so don't get mad at me for having a 39 as that's really high on a list when you think about it, when you actually make a list and sit down and put it in you as you, you know, some movies you thought were in your top 10, you realize these other movies are, it's just, yeah, it's just not, it's not possible. Um, the adrenaline shot scene was probably one of the most suspenseful scenes of all time. And I think actually someone passed out while watching it. You know, that, that's gotta be a pretty cool, cool compliment to get as movie director. Uh, that, that same goes for uh, Terrifier 2 with Damien Leone. People were fucking throwing up and shit with the bedroom scene. If you guys know what I'm talking about, you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, but I love that scene. Um, this really skyrocketed Tarantino into the Hollywood stratosphere. You know, uh, it, did, it did come with Harvey Weinstein. Uh, but at least he's gone now. That's the one thing I don't like about Quentin Tarantino is that he knew about Harvey Weinstein and he, he decided not to speak up about it, which he really should have. Uh, so that kind of makes me question. Uh, he probably goes to Epstein Island every once in a while, probably still goes. Honestly, Epstein is still alive. Um, the acting was great, of course. All the acting is always great in Tarantino films. And I love how it just jumps from random timelines. You never knew what was going to come next uh, in your first viewing. You know, It's, it's just fun. Um, but yeah, I like Pulp Fiction. I love Pulp Fiction. Bob, get a sip of this fucking water. All right, this is taking a long time. Holy fucking shit. I'm only on 38 and it's 21 minutes in. Um, all right, number 38, we got Rec, or Record, but I'm going to call it Rec, uh, directed by Joame Baraguero and Paco Plaza in 2007. Uh, one of my favorite found footage horror films, and horror films in general. I mean, my God, this is a great horror film. Um, this is one of the movies I saw very recently, as it's been on my list a lot, a very long time, and this is one of those movies that are actually scary. You know, there's not a lot of movies that are actually scary that actually scare me, but... This one, I mean, it did a good job at, at scaring me. Um, but once shit starts going down in this movie, it just never stops and just keeps pushing the gas pedal down harder and harder. It's it's just crazy. Um, what works in this movie is that is that it's just so realistic. Um, I know the the main actress in the movie, she was actually a newscaster. And that's why it worked out so well, and the, most of the firefighters, not the acting firefighters, but the ones in the opening scenes, you know, they were actual firefighters, so that worked out pretty cool. Um, and the ending was just like, I mean, my God, what was that thing, you know? Um, I also, the, the main actress was cute. I, 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 I have a crush on her, I think. She's a, she's, she's a baddie. She's a pretty big baddie. She's not big, but she's a baddie. Um, and this movie is less than 80 minutes. Uh, so that makes it, you know, if you just want to get it out of the way, if you've never seen it, this is a movie that you can just easily put on and just watch because it's, it's, it's just a fun movie to watch. Uh, you might be scared after watching I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it's it's great. I can't, I can't wait to watch it again. Um, and if you're bothered by subtitles with movies, go fuck yourself. You shouldn't be able to watch them. Uh, I hate people who are bothered by subtitles. Um, all right, next on this list, we got number 37, and that is City of God, directed by Fernando Morales, 
Morales in 2002. Uh... This movie probably has one of the greatest antagonists in a movie ever. I mean, what was that guy's name? How can I forget his name when I... Oops. I just hit the microphone. All right. What was his name? It was it was some, some funny one. It was like a nickname. Uh, hold on, guys. Let me look this up. City of God cast... Was it Lil Dice? I think it was. Or was it not? Was it Lil Dice? I forgot. I think that was his name. Let me just go on IMDb. Old Reliable IMDb. Lil Zay. Why, why is Lil Dice on Google? See, that's why you shouldn't use Google. Okay, I was trying to remember. I knew it was some, some name. I knew it wasn't Lil... Uh, Whatever the fuck. Lil Zay. Yeah, he is one of the best antagonists in a movie ever. I mean, my God, he does a great job. Um, this movie takes you on a wild ride. And um, it just seems so realistic, you know. It, the actors did a really good job. You feel like this should actually happen, which it probably does, you know, in, in Brazil. You never know what the fuck happens down there. But uh, uh, if you're from there, excuse me. But, uh, you know, if you're from America or from where somewhere that's not Brazil, you hear bad things about some parts of that country, and yeah, um, but I'm sure there's really nice parts. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, um, there's bad parts in Cleveland here. Don't don't get me wrong about that either. Cleveland is not safe, but I'm just saying, I'm not trying to offend anybody. Um, but yeah, this movie is truly disturbing. Um, I love it. You don't need to see this movie. Um, more than once, really. I've seen it twice, but I I don't know when I'll watch it again because it's just the, it, it just it's disturbing. It's not a movie you, you can like you know you gotta be prepared for. There's a lot of stuff that goes on. And yeah, it's not it's not like horror disturbing. It's just like you know real life disturbing. But yeah. All right, number thirty six. We got Synecdoche, New York, directed by Charlie Kaufman, released in two thousand and eight. Now, I know I said City of God was disturbing, but this movie is one of the most disturbing films I've ever seen. As I see myself in the character of Caden Cotard, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, he gives one of the most exceptional performances I've ever seen. And he's done a lot of great stuff, like in The Master and shit. Like, oh man, he does a great job in this movie. Um, he's basically an anxious hypochondriac who thinks he's dying all the time, so he can't really enjoy his life and is just worried about everything and sees everything so negatively. Um, I just see myself kind of in this guy, like not totally, but like I just I feel like the theme in this movie is just time passing by and not you know just wasting your life and there's just that's what I, that's what I feel like I'm doing even though you're doing stuff and you know you don't have to worry about things this movie just makes you think about like man I could be doing something but I'm not although you know I got this YouTube channel I got a job I got a house you know I'm doing not bad but I could be doing more um but yeah, since I relate to it so much, it's just it's just disturbing to me because of how just on point it is. Um, there's a song in here called Little Person, and it has to be one of my favorite movie songs ever. I mean, it's just, it, it's a good one. I mean, it, I don't, no one really talks about this song. No one really talks about this movie as a good movie, but um, 
yeah, it's it's just so deep and uh, just depressing as fuck. Like, don't watch this movie if you're already sad because you'll just be really sad. But um, you got to really be in the mood to watch this movie. That's why it's number 36 and it's not higher because if you could really enjoy this movie and watch it multiple times, it'd probably be up higher for me, but you just can't. This is like a movie you watch one time. You're just like, all right, uh, I won't watch it at least for another 10 years. Um, Adam from YMS, your movie sucks. I don't know if you guys watched that, uh, YouTuber, but he's one of my favorite, um, favorite YouTubers, just favorite movie reviewer of all time. Um, he did like a six part analysis on this movie and he's the reason why I watched it in the first place. Um, he recommended it. He went in depth about it. I'm like, okay, I got to fucking see this shit. And I'm glad I did. Um, he's very, he knows his movies, even though he could be very critical about just little nitpicky things like this movie. He was spot on about this is a movie you guys need to fucking see. And like I said, it would be higher if it wasn't so fucking depressing because uh, I like to enjoy watching movies, you know, but this one is very well made. Uh, this is a movie I really recommend you watching. Um, but yeah, it's. It's it's crazy this movie. It's real. I don't want to spoil anything really with this because you just have to see it for yourself and no trailer will tell you how it's going to be. You just have to see it for yourself. All right, we got number 35 and that is The Original Texas Chainsaw Massacre directed by Toby Hooper and released in 1974. Uh, this is one of the most influential horror movies of all time and another one of those movies that just freaks me out. Um Although I could see why some people wouldn't like this movie just because of the grimy, dirty, gritty feeling to it. But it is one of my favorites of all time in horror and definitely one of my favorites of all time. Um, I just love how it takes place in the daytime and uh, it, you just don't know, you know, you're not usually the daytime protects you, protects you, but not in this case. Uh, Leatherface is coming out of there or... You know, his family, the Sawyer family, they're just like, you know what? I'm kind of hungry right now. Um, but you just feel yucky after watching this and want to take a shower. And uh, some people don't want to like, don't don't feel like watching that. But uh, for me, I'll watch it because I like when movies do that to you. Um, and this is a movie I watched on Benadryl once. And I will never forget how horrifying it was. Um, you know, I it started kicking in. Really, when um, Leatherface uh, killed Franklin and Sally Hardesty was just manic the rest of the fucking movie. She's just screaming the whole fucking time. If you don't like that, you probably won't like this movie. But she just fucking screams and just just the imagery of it and just, just going nuts. And that just freaked me out. Like my eyes, I don't think I blinked once in the last 30 minutes, I swear. It was just insanity. This last, the third act is pure insanity. And on Benadryl, it makes it a lot worse. But in a good way. All right. Number 34. We're getting closer to number one. We still have 34 to go. Uh, number 34 is Grease. Yeah. Directed by Randall Kleiser in 1978. Favorite musical of all, of all time. I don't really like musicals that much, but this is one, you know, just all the songs are pretty fucking badass. I mean, come on, you know, you, can, you can't sing along to it when it comes on. You can't not sing along to it, excuse me. Um... I always liked impersonating Danny with my friend, um, Danny Zuko. Oh, Sandy! Oh, why don't you look in the yellow pages? I don't know. You know, I love that. Um, every song is pretty much fucking great. There's like one I don't like, um, but 
Uh, my favorites were Hopelessly Devoted to You. Hopelessly devoted to you. You're the one that I want. You're the one that I want. You're the one I want. Honey. And then Grease. Oh, the intro song. Love that song. I it's They play that on the radio still, and it's just, it's a classic, dude. Very, very iconic. And Summer Nights, man. Summer Nights, just the way they shot that, with them looking back and forth, going back and forth between the male and female casts. Um, it's just a great time. Um, the only problem with it is that they don't look like high schoolers, uh, but that doesn't take anything away from it. You know, you just... <laughs> You get Sonny, who's like fucking 40 in the movie, and uh, yeah, you can tell. The only one that really looks like a high schooler is um, uh, Sandy. Maybe Danny Zuko, too. Uh, all right, we got number 33 next, and that is Mean Creek, directed by Jacob Aaron Estes in 2004. Uh, this has to be one of the most underrated films of all time. I mean, my God. Um, I used to watch this religiously when I was a kid because it was just really weird to me seeing Josh Peck in this role when I was used to him being and, and being nice and just kid-friendly and Drake and Josh. Uh, you know, he's just... He, he has some sort of mental disability and he just, like, he has some anger issues. And um, they basically want to take him out on this boating trip to get him back because he beat up the main character... And uh, things just go really, really downhill fast. And it's just, yeah, it's bad. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a really tragic movie, but it's stunning and thrilling. I like the cinematography and I like where it was filmed in the river. It kind of reminds me of uh, of where I live and stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, I watched it recently too, like last year for the first time since I was younger. And I just totally forgot how great it was. Um, so go check that out. You know, it's a great movie. Uh, number 32, one that isn't underrated, uh, and that is Logan, directed by James Mangold in 2017. Definitely the best Marvel movie of all time, Fight Me. Uh, I, really, when you say it like that, it's not much to say, but because Marvel has been shit, basically. But uh, this movie was made correctly. Um, but this, this, is, this is how you make a rated R superhero movie, and not something like Deadpool, Deadpool was terrible. I hate when people said that movie was great. It was not good. It was just really, it was really overrated, uh, that movie. Um, I love the scene in this movie in the middle of it when Logan first meets the new clone that was in it. And he was just like really powerful um, at that family's house to let him stay there. And that was just a lot of things happen in that scene. And it's just amazing. I love, I love everything. Like it was really tense. Just you get happy, you get sad, you get disturbed. There's just a whole bunch of emotions go through you in that. And I love the scenes when, um, when Charles Xavier is having those seizures and it's just like really hard to stop it, and they gotta like inject him with shit. I thought that was pretty fucking cool. And it happens in Las Vegas at the casino, like that. That's some cool shit right there. Um, not a big fan of superhero movies. Uh, there are a couple on this list, though, so don't get me wrong. I do, when it's done right, I love them. But there's a lot that I just seem like just the same old plot, same old shit. But this one has some emotional stuff to it. The grittiness. And it's just very badass and dirty, and I, I love it. Um, even the kid actor in this movie, she did a pretty good job. I, I kind of don't like the, when all the kids come in. Um, that kind of takes it away, but like she does a good job by herself, and Hugh Jackman, of course, does a great job as Wolverine. Wolverine, Wolverine. 
Um, I've seen this movie a lot, actually. I've probably seen it like at least 15 times by now. And uh, yeah, I just, I loved it equally every time. I saw it twice in theaters too. And um, yeah, I was high for opening night. I remember I was talking with my friends at the time. I'm like, we're probably going to be scared while watching this, uh, watching this high. Uh, because of the, just the um, fight scenes that just being so dirty and violent and everything because you know that that can get because um a movie i do not recommend watching while high is hardcore henry do not watch that movie while high trust me you do not want to see i remember um i watched it in theaters i loved it and then i watched it when i was high with my friend a couple years ago and i was like dude turn this off (laughs) i just didn't want to watch it it was scary it was scary to me i did not like it um but sober, yeah. Um, but you could watch this movie high. It's not definitely not as bad as that. Um, but this is definitely, I mean, not definitely, but this is not my ultimate favorite superhero movie of all time. There's three more that are above this one, but you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, but yeah, uh, number 31, we got The Big Lebowski, directed by Joel Cohen uh, in 1998. Um, when your movie starts a religion, that's how you know it's good. Uh, this is definitely my favorite Coen Brothers film, but Fargo and No Country for Old Men are not far behind, and uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou is really good, too. Um, I still need to see Being John Malkovich. Uh, that'll probably be on this list, probably, if I end up seeing it soon, but who who knows? Uh, but the, for right now, this is the movies I've seen. Um, the characters in, the, in this movie were all perfectly cast, and they just give such a funny, entertaining performances. Jeff Bridges, of course, does a great job as the dude. He's a very cool guy. He just says man a lot, and he just it makes you want to smoke some weed and go bowling. I, I just love it. Uh, this plot to this movie is just so outrageous, but it works so well. And um, and this is a movie I watched when I really started getting into movies, and it was in my top ten for a bit. Um, but it's not now, of course. But still, it was in it for a while. And uh, yeah, this is just my opinion, man. Um, number 30, uh, we got Psycho, directed by Alfred Hitchcock in 1960. Uh, I really wish I didn't let Watch Mojo spoil twist endings for me when I was younger, because this and Sleepaway Camp would have been even better, in my opinion. Um, now Sleepaway Camp, don't get me wrong, is not, you know, well shot or anything. There's nothing like, you know, the qualities of the movie you can't really take away. It's just really entertaining, that movie. It's not, it's definitely not well, well made or anything, but it, the, the ending to it is fantastic. Um, and it just makes it so much better. But, um, yeah, this movie, I wish I didn't get it spoiled for me because I can't imagine what it would have been like watching it just not spoiled and didn't know anything about it. But, I, of course, I knew everything about it before watching it, and it didn't ruin it for me, thank God. But it definitely would have made it a lot better if I didn't. Um, um, it, 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 Like I said, it doesn't take it away. Like, uh, you know, you... Just because I knew about it doesn't mean it's bad. Um, you know, Blair Witch Project, on the other hand, got ruined for me. Um because I wasn't around that time to watch it when everyone believed the movie to be true. So that movie now just look, kind of looks like a stupid found footage movie that just nothing happens in. Um, but when it came out, everyone was just like, oh my god. you know. And people still hold on to that who have seen it in that time and still watch it. They can hold on to that. But people who didn't watch it uh, when it came out, they just can't. You can't get that same experience. So it's not that the movie is bad. Um, but yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I, I just like how they have this Norman Bates guy. Just he's a mama's boy. He just comes off as a really nice guy at first, and then you know you just think Janet Lee's character is going to be the main protagonist throughout the whole movie until. She dies, of course. Spoiler alert. Um, but you guys, the shower scene is one of the most iconic scenes ever, not just in horror. Um, but yeah, I was still surprised by it. I didn't know when that scene was going to happen. Um, before the movie, I thought that was going to be like an ending scene with the way they were bringing it up. Because, um, you know, there's just the movie was focused on her, solely focused on her for that beginning part. And then, yeah, they just kill her. It was, it was a great scene. Uh, and the theme song... One of the greatest theme songs of all time. I love that. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. Number 29, we got What's Eating Gilbert Grape, directed by Lasse Hallstrom in 1993. Oh, Johnny Depp, you sexy bastard ass good actor, you motherfucker. Another one of those movies I watched religiously as a kid and got better watching it as an adult. Uh, yeah, this movie just gets better and better as, as you watch it. As a kid, I loved it. As an adult, I loved it. Uh, DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio, gives one of his best performances in this, as I truly do believe he is mentally impaired in this movie. I mean, he does a great job playing that character. I mean, my God. Um, the little city the film was set in reminds me of where I'd go as a kid near my grandparents, and they were one, and they were the ones who actually showed me this movie. I actually really enjoyed it. They were telling me about it. I'm like, okay, kind of want to see it. Um, but yeah, uh, this movie is charming, funny, and a little tragic as well at some parts, especially the ending. And it's just, it's a fun movie to watch. You know, you learn a lesson, you take away some stuff, and bada bing, bada boom. Uh, number twenty eight, we got Misery, directed by Rob Rayner in nineteen ninety. This is another movie that was on my list that I saw recently. No wonder everyone raves about it. Um, Kathy Bates and James Can work incredibly well in this movie together, and Kathy Bates definitely deserved that Oscar as she terrified the shit out of me in this movie. Other than the characters from Funny Games, which, Funny Games, which barely missed my list, she is basically if never let them know your next move was a character. I mean, my God, that that is the ultimate epitome of never let them know your next move. But Kathy Bates, not too far behind that. Um, you're just rooting for James Can to get out of there alive the whole time, and you just want him to get it. You you kind of feel like he is. I didn't want, I didn't read the book. I didn't know this movie is sort of spoiled for me a little bit. Just the one scene uh, in closer to the end was spoiled to me but i didn't know how it ended so at least i didn't get that part um so you don't know if he's gonna survive or not um uh, but i did know she was gonna turn out to be insane uh in this movie uh so yeah i had that part spoiled but other than that i mean you could probably just tell by watching at the beginning that she was gonna be crazy but yeah um if this is on your list please watch it because it is great. It was on my list for the longest fucking time. It's always been on my list. Um, luckily, one of those movies I, I, I saw on Watch Mojo, and I'm like, okay, I got to watch it soon, so I skipped it. Probably about 10 years it's been on my list, dude. Finally got to see it, and it was great. All right, number 27, we got The Revenant, directed by Alejandro Inarritu uh, in 2015. DiCaprio finally got his Oscar for this movie, and it was well-deserved. I mean, he didn't have a lot of words. He didn't have a lot of dialogue, but he didn't have to speak to emote his emotions and just, you know, just have this go on because it's it's a great film he acted out, and not just him. There's a bunch of other great actors in this movie. Um, 
But by far, the thing that steals the show in this movie was the cinematography. I mean, my God. There would be a scene, you know, actors talking or just a fight scene, a war scene, whatever the fuck. And then it would cut to the beautiful surrounding landscape with the snow. Oh, my God. God, it just it was shot in Canada. I heard it was a bitch to film this, and the actors went through hell a little bit, but it was totally worth it. And, um, dude, you just like every single shot that was the with um when it would cut to those cinematography scenes, you could keep that as a wallpaper. I mean, it just was so beautiful it, that that really adds to it. It just really, really adds to it. The quiet peacefulness, even though there's some you know there's a lot of conflicts going on in it. Uh, you just get that. Um, and even though Leo won the Oscar, my favorite performance in this was Tom Hardy. I mean, he was a great villain in this movie. He just, I couldn't stand him. I wanted him to fucking die. Um, at first, he was cool. Like, I got these pelts. Uh, we need to get these pelts over there with our fucking pelts. And uh, he was just an evil, evil person. And, um, you know, he got his comeuppance. Uh, but, yeah. Um Love the natural lighting. This movie got me into natural lighting, and that's what got me interested for The Witch. And maybe that's why I didn't like The Witch at first, because it wasn't like this movie. Um, but yeah, it just it just seemed impossible to shoot some of these scenes in this movie. There's just so much, so much stuff, like the horse scene, sleeping in the horse, and just all the action, a, uh, action scenes uh, with the Indians, Native Americans, whatever. Uh, yeah, that was just insane. Um, the effects were great, too. Everything about it was just great. Um you know, this, if I've only seen 27 movies and all the movies below this where I've seen, this would be number one uh, because I really love this movie. I got to watch it pretty soon again. But uh, seeing this movie in theaters actually made me fucking cold just from watching it. Um, and you can watch this movie so many times. It's not a movie that's going to disturb you in any way. I mean, there's some scenes, of course, that are just like, okay, you know, it's a little, little insane, but you know, I could watch it. Uh, but it's definitely not disturbing. Um, but yeah, it made me cold because it came out in the winter time too, like in December, and I, uh, yeah, I just felt freezing while watching, cutting the the scenes of the cinematography of the mountains, the snow. It was just beautiful. Uh, number 26, we got Dread, directed by Pete Travis in 2012. I love this movie so much. Um, I love the style, the judges, the setting, the slow-mo drug. You know, I got a drug channel. Um, actually, if you haven't checked it out, I made a fan fiction trip report about me doing slow-mo from this movie on my main channel, so you should definitely go check it out. Uh, it was a pretty cool story. I think if you're a fan of this movie, you'll really enjoy that video. Uh, it doesn't have that many views compared to other videos on my channel, of course, but uh, yeah, go check it out. Uh, I forgot what I titled it, but it just search up Dread Tales from the Trip. You'll probably find it. Uh, this movie bombed at the box office, which is pretty sad, and it's definitely one of the most underrated movies of all time. Um, it's just, it's a straight up badass movie. There's killings, the villains are good. I. The, the action scenes, all of it is just fucking fantastic. And it's a great superhero movie. I The only reason it is a superhero movie is because it's a comic book. Um, I haven't seen the original, which I heard was pretty bad with Sylvester Stallone. So I'm not going to watch it at any point. But I'm sure this movie will always be better than that one. I'm sure there's like probably one fan that likes the original more. But this movie was just fucking great. Don't know why this movie doesn't have more love than it does. Uh, it just it's Everyone that's seen it loves it. I can tell you that. It just hasn't been seen a lot. 
So go watch it. Uh, Carl Urban is definitely intimidating as a judge, and Mama was a great villain. Loved it. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. All right, now we're halfway through. Uh, how many minutes? We're at 47 minutes. Oh, boy. Uh, at number 25, we got American Psycho, directed by Mary Heron in 2000. This should come as no surprise nowadays, but I love this movie before I got the Sigma stigma. Uh, I, yeah, this, this is all over edits everywhere. I mean, you can't... Uh, all over pop culture nowadays, you can't you can't talk to a dude without them seeing this movie. I mean, this is probably one of the most popular movies of all time now. But before it became popular on TikTok with the Sigma stigma, um, yeah, this movie was definitely underrated. I'd say um, Christian Bale he gives a great iconic performance as Patrick Bateman. Um, I love the message this movie sent. You know, at first I didn't understand it when I first watched. It. I was younger, and then I finally got it. Uh, but you need to watch it for yourself. Um, there's so many iconic scenes in this movie. It's uh, it's funny. Just the sadistic humor I love about it. it. It's just it's it's not really a horror movie in my opinion. People list it as one, but to me, I mean, yeah, there's definitely horror scenes in it. There's some scary scenes in some parts, but it's mostly just a, like a dark comedy, basically. Um, but yeah. Uh, it's a great, great movie, and just so many iconic scenes. Now, let me see Paul Allen's top 50 list. All right, number 24, we got The Favorite, directed by Yorgos Lanthimos in 2018. This movie holds the record for the most times I've seen a movie in theaters with six times. Yeah. I saw this movie fucking six times in theaters. That's how much I loved it. Loved it when it came out, and of course, I still do. Um, Olivia Coleman gives one of the best performances ever, and she definitely deserved that Oscar. Everyone did exceptional in their roles, and this movie is just so wacky. It's like a really, it's a funny take on uh, the on the period pieces of the queens. It, you know, it's just, it's a fun time. And it's, you know, the queen, it, they basically go off this one, this... We don't know if it's true, uh, but there's definitely stories about it. They basically go off of that, that the queen is a lesbian. She's got some lovers. And it's just a fun, interesting take, you know. It's just really fun. It's a really fun movie. Um, you also get to see Emma Stone's boobs for a little bit, like for like five seconds, which that was pretty fucking awesome. Um, I had a crush on her before seeing this movie, so you could tell. Maybe that was the reason why I saw it six times. No, that wasn't it. I, I love this movie. Genuinely loved it. Um, and I just love it when period pieces are done correctly, and this is definitely one of those. You know, I just love the dialogue and the, the costume designs, and it's just... It, it, it's wacky. This movie is wacky. Wacky, wacky, wacky. All right, number 23, we got Scream, directed by Wes Craven in 1996. Scream was one of those horror movies I never got to see until I was like 11 years old, and that was old for me with horror movies. I remember it was around the time Scream 4 came out, as that is my favorite Scream sequel. I'm usually not a fan of comedy and horror, um... But if you balance it out like this movie does, like it, it just it balances out better than any other horror movie ever. Um, it works. It really does work. Um, there are some truly disturbing scenes in this movie, and I wish I can go back in time before I knew who the killers were so I could relieve that moment once again. I mean, just finding out the killers, I think Matthew Lillard does a great job. Um, Billy does a great job. Um, Skeet Ulrich, that's his name in real life. Uh, Nev Campbell, she becomes a scream queen in this movie. Um, 
Yeah, it's just a very smart, thrilling movie, and it saved horror, uh, but also kind of destroyed it with its copycats. You know, like I Know What You Did Last Summer, H2O, those movies were terrible. Um, <laughs> but this movie, as the first one, yeah, this did a great job. They couldn't, you, you can't, you can't make it twice. You really can't, unless it's the same one. Scream 2 was good. I did not like Scream 3. Scream 3 was not good. But Scream 4 was good, and I still have yet to see Scream 5 and Scream 6, but I do like Jenna Ortega, so maybe I'll check that out pretty soon. All right. Number 22, we got The Fly, directed by David Cronenberg in 1986. This is another horror movie I watched recently as it's... Oh, it's been on my list for a while, and I just never put it on, and I'm glad I fucking did, finally. Um, Jeff Goldblum is the star of the show here for sure. I mean, he just does a great job as a scientist. He just it, It's just really tragic. Um, I didn't realize how disturbing, depressing, and tragic this movie was until watching it. I just really thought it was an extreme body horror creature feature. That's exactly, like, seriously, that's what I thought it was, but there's such a great story to it. Um, the one scene, the insect politics scene where Jeff Goldblum is explained to his uh, previous girlfriend in it, uh, just just rambling about just nonsense and her just like being so freaked out. That part had me almost tearing up just how disturbing it was just watching him just talk about nonsense, not like going insane, realizing he can't be cured from this. Um and when I was watching this, I thought of terminal illnesses like cancers and diseases and stuff. And um, and uh, that's what Cronenberg was actually going for. So I'm glad I picked that up. Uh, I'm sure it was probably pretty easy to pick up. Uh, but maybe if you didn't, that's what it's about. Um, but yeah, it's just just the fact of having an incurable disease that you just... You just your time is gonna come at some point. You just don't know when, and this is just a very severe way of getting a disease, turning to a fly. <laughs> uh, it's just really tragic, and it, it was all because he was petty because she uh, he thought his girlfriend was cheating on him. So yeah, this is what happens when you get too worked up on women. Just let them be, and just do your own thing. Don't worry about them. If they're not good, just let them go. But she wasn't doing anything wrong, so it doesn't didn't matter in the end. Matter for him though, because he's a fly. He's a part fly man. Um, but yeah. All right, number twenty one. We got Hell House LLC, directed by Stephen Cognetti in twenty fifteen. This is my favorite found footage horror film of all time. Um, I just love movies about haunted houses. Um, I really love the Houses October Built franchise. I love the first and second one, even though the second one was a little stupid. Same with Hell House 2 and 3. I thought Hell House 2 was actually pretty good, but Hell House 3 just definitely went bizarre. The ending was kind of funky, but it's just these are definitely my guilty pleasures, except the first one, the first Hell House, the one that's on this list, is definitely not a guilty pleasure. That's actually a really well, well filmed movie. Um, my only gripe with it is that there'd be a scene like of uh just like of what the ghost would do and then there'd be a, a scene right after showing it in case you missed it uh, that part those parts they did that throughout the whole franchise I just really did not like that because you can see it even though it happened in the background and you may have missed it you don't you don't want to replay it, it just doesn't you just don't want to do that but other than that I mean you can really enjoy this movie this is a movie you watch during Halloween you don't have to watch it during Halloween I mean my god you can watch it anytime um I first saw this movie last year near the end of summer, and I ended up watching the next two quickly after that. Um, I actually just recently rewatched them, all three of them, again last month in the span of two days. 
uh, I would watch them faster, but I was working, or else I would have I would have sat down and just one day and watched them all three in one sitting. Uh, the sequels don't be the charm of the first one, but they're still really enjoyable, really good. I think I prefer the second one over the third one. The third one is kind of like has um, like a reality show vibe to it. It's about like uh, um, there's. Um, there's a play being uh, made in it, and it's really cool. I like how it's a it's a scary play, and it's just um, yeah. But you know, it's there's still some creepy factors to it. But the first one with the clown and everything, my god, is that thing fucking creepy, dude? That thing. If I could just picture it in my fucking room at three in the morning, oh my god, I think I would shit my pants and uh, just leave my house. I'd go somewhere else. I would not be. I'd be far from here. I'd probably set my house on fire after that. Uh, but really what makes this movie work is the chemistry of the characters and the acting. They just make it so believable, you know. It's just That just makes it that much greater, you know. It just seems real. I, that's what I like about found footage movies when they're done right. Like, this is, this is what people should try to be. This is seriously what people should try to be. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think uh, the sequels are more guilty pleasures, but this one is actually really good and very, very enjoyable, especially during October. I mean, this is... This is a very underrated film. It's not underrated if you're a found footage horror fan. It's definitely one of those best ones of all time. Um, but if you don't know, if you don't not a fan of found footage or you don't really watch them that often, you probably never heard of this movie. Um, but go watch it. They're all on Tubi for free. Um, I think they're probably on YouTube for free too. They're, you could probably you can find them for free anywhere, honestly. Um, but if they're on Amazon Prime, I think too. Um, if you have that, you could watch it. But yeah, this is just a very very fun and scary movie with the just the just the scares and everything because it just works in a haunted house you know because that explains that that can explain a lot of stuff and uh yeah all right went on very long for that there's some movies i could just go on longer than others uh but yeah this is just how my list is going uh number 20 we got fright night directed by tom holland not the Spider-Man one. In 1985, he also directed Child's Play, which is pretty cool. He's an underrated guy. Underrated director. Um, I gotta be honest, Fright Night is definitely the most 80s movie ever fucking made. You watch it, and immediately the first scene, you're like, okay, yep, this is the 80s. If you didn't know what year it came out and you were to guess, you'd be like, yep, that's the fucking middle of the 80s right there. Um... This is another horror film that blends comedy and horror together, and it just makes a complete masterpiece. I mean, my God. The comedy in it is just like, I wouldn't say it's sadistic humor, but it's just darker humor, and it it, it just works really well. Because when, when you have comedy in horror movies, I like I said, I don't like it, but when you can make the horror really good, it can balance it out and make it just fantastic, where I actually really prefer that sometimes. Um, but yeah, uh, this is like what the th fucking one, two, three, four. This is the fourth horror movie in a row, uh, in this list so far. Um, but yeah, uh, Chris Sarandon did a great job as D Jerry Dandridge. He's, uh, the, probably the coolest vampire and the best vampire movie of all time. I still haven't seen Lost Boys. I watched Cody Leach on YouTube. Shout out to him. That's his, I think that's his favorite vampire movie, one of his favorite horror movies of all time. So I got to see that. I wonder if that would have been on my list. But this movie is just, it's just really entertaining. It's fun to put on. You'll never have a bad time watching it. All the acting is pretty good. The only problem I have with it probably is the one guy, the one uh, guy he's friends with. Um, 
uh, Brewster, Charlie Brewster, uh, his friend who just kind of like just doesn't believe him ever and he makes fun of him a lot. And yeah, it, that character was a little weird, uh, I'd have to say, but it works out. You know, I love it. And um, I remember I didn't I didn't watch this as a kid, but the poster, the poster always drew me in with that face in the clouds above the house. Um, yeah, that just got me invested. I'm like, okay, I got to see this at some point. I forgot when I watched it, uh, but it was, it was pretty good time ago. Uh, so yeah, uh, I, I really enjoyed this movie. I really recommend it. My nose is stuffed up now. My God. All right. Number 19, we got Taxi Driver directed by Martin Scorsese in 1996. This is another one of those movies that got that Sigma male tag to it. Uh, but Robert De Niro gives a great performance, as always. If you don't agree with his politics, that's fine with me. I I tend to, eat, no matter what political spectrum you fall on, I separate the art from the artist all the time. I don't care. I don't fall under any political you know, party, I, I don't care what anyone really says, unless it's like, you know, that something really extreme, like you're racist or something. But yeah. Uh, if you know just normal political beliefs i really don't care i really really don't care um he just devolves into madness as this movie goes on he just wants to seek out revenge for all the people that wronged him in life um not the people just like just living (laughs) the living part really wronged him in life and he's a veteran and um i i like the scene where he takes uh that one girl to the to the porno and she thinks it's like a real movie i forget well i forgot if she thought it was a real movie but she just walks out because it's uh, it's disgusting to her and he didn't see anything wrong with it he's like why why what did i do i'm <laughs> talking to me i'm the only one here you know no i'm kidding okay <laughs> scorsese he is one of my favorite directors of all time you'll see my favorite movie by him he's on this list again and you'll see where it is located and he has created some timeless masterpieces. Um, my last film of him I actually just watched was uh, I still need to see Killers of the Flower Moon that just came out. Um, I need to I I saw uh, what was it? It was called the Shave, and it was supposed to be a metaphor for the war or something. But like it's just a guy shaving, and he gets very bloody. It's like six minutes long. Uh, so I was like, "Fuck it, I'll watch it." And uh, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that movie. I don't care if the metaphor is deeper. It just I don't really care. It just it, really didn't do anything to me but other than that he's got some good movies and i just love the urge for violence this guy has that travis shows the taxi driver he just wants to he just wants to fix the problems and you know i i fuck with that i fuck with that all right in a you know in 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 a legal way in a legal way if i could say it legally um all right number 18 we got dazed and confused directed by richard linklater in 1993 Quentin Tarantino described this movie as the best hangout movie of all time, which I fucking agree with. This has to be the best of all time. Best hangout movie ever. Uh, oop. Excuse me. Gosh. Um, I first watched this when I started sneaking, drinking, and smoking weed for the first time. And literally, these characters were iconic for me. I just wanted to be just like him. Uh, Pink, I wanted to be like him, man. He was just so fucking cool. He's like, yeah, man, I don't give a fuck, man. I'll be the quarterback of the football team, maybe, bruh. Like, fuck you, bitch. Oh, I have a girlfriend? What do you mean? (laughs) He was a cool guy. I just like, I love the outfits. 
Uh, it's just, it's a great movie. Um, I just love how it can just be about nothing, just except hanging out. You know, friends going to a party. You know, trying to get Aerosmith tickets and just, it just, it's just a one day thing. It's, um, I think it's like even less than twenty four hours total of when it starts to when it finishes because um, it starts in like the near the end of the last day of school and it ends on the football field at like six a.m. So yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very fun movie to watch. If you haven't seen this and you're a stoner, you're going to love this movie. It is just truly, truly a fun time. If you have seen it already, you guys know what I'm talking about. I mean, I don't know how you could not like this movie. Um, I love the soundtrack. You guys know me. I love seventies music. There's some great, great, great music in this movie. Um, and it was called Days of Confuse, and they wanted to use Led Zeppelin, but they wouldn't use it. They wouldn't let them use it for some reason. That's the one thing I, one problem I have with my favorite band of all time. They're very stingy with people using their music in uh, movies. They got to use it in Thor Ragnarok, but they use Immigrant Song, and that is one of the most popular songs they use in anything. And that's just like it's. I wouldn't say it's overrated, um, but it's definitely not their best. <laughs> it's definitely very. Um, What's the word? It's definitely very energetic and it just gets you going, but it's not definitely not their best song. But it's it's more marketable than anything. Um, but yeah, uh, if they could have used Days Confused in this movie, I wonder what what scene they would have put it in. But yeah, um, the scene in the the opening with the car uh, <laughs> with her just driving around the park and like the sweet emotion. That's a great time. I've explained that a couple times, but I won't go into it anymore. But uh. Uh, there's not really nothing I laughed out loud at this movie in, but the whole thing is just funny, if that makes sense. Like, you're just like, that's relatable. That's relatable. That's relatable. That's relatable. <laughs> you just say that the whole movie and just everything. There, there's some things that happen in this movie that won't happen in real life or may happen some places, but you can just feel like it would happen, though. You know, it's, it's really hard to explain. But, yeah, it's just it's just really relatable, this movie. Um, and there's a lot of future A-listers that start in this movie, like uh, Ben Affleck and Matthew McConaughey. So that was pretty, pretty cool. And everyone hated you. Ben Affleck is a great villain in this movie. I mean, I just wanted to fucking beat his ass. Oh my god, he pissed me off so much. I'm glad he got his people got a revenge revenge on him twice, twice in this movie. You guys know what I'm talking about. And uh, this movie's just so much fun. That's all. Uh, hello. Uh, this movie's great. Uh, hello. Uh, let me be clear. I used to do impressions of Obama, by the way, if you guys didn't know that. All right, number 17, we got The Dark Knight by Christopher Nolan in 20, 2008. Excuse me. And we're an hour, six minutes into this. Uh, this is definitely my favorite Joker adaptation, either live action or animated. Heath Ledger, I mean, what? What an ending performance to give yourself before you die. I mean, this is just a way to go out, man. I mean, who would have thought? I feel like, um, you know, I was too young to understand how, you know, how good of an actor he was. But at the time, he wasn't in movies like that. You know, he was in Brokeback Mountain and shit and that one Knights movie. But, like, he wasn't in, he wasn't known for roles like this. And uh, they put him in there and he just did it perfectly. I mean, my God, he was just... Very sadistic and funny and disturbing. Just everything about him was great. Um, 
I saw this movie in theaters when it came out and got it for Christmas that year it came out and watched it three times on Christmas Day. Like, yeah, I love this movie. I've seen this movie so many times. Um, and this movie is PG-13, and it, it works. Uh, I have a lot of problems with PG-13 movies, um, like, especially when it's not supposed to be. But this movie, you know, Batman movies, they aren't really supposed to be rated R, although I'd love to see... Uh, rated R Batman movie did that, um, except the Killing Joke or animated movies. Like, was the newer Batman rated R? I thought I think it was rated PG thirteen. Let me see this shit. Yeah, it was PG thirteen. Yeah, they need to make this shit rated R one point a live action rated R Batman movie. I feel like that'd be fucking cool. Um, yeah, um, this is just a great movie. Uh, Christian Bale does a great job. Of course, he always does a great job. Uh, but yeah, Heath Ledger really steals the show. If he wasn't in this movie, I don't know how good it would have been. I wonder who else they could have cast. Like, I thought he did a lot better than Joaquin Phoenix um, in The Joker. Although, that's probably in part because I don't really think the Joker movie was that good. I thought it was fine. Like, it wasn't bad. Uh, but I've only seen it once, and I really don't care to see it again. I mean, it just wasn't... It, it wasn't as good as everyone was saying, but I'm glad they made it a rated R Joker movie. Like, I want to see... I'd rather see that than a bad PG-13 movie, you know what I'm saying? Um, there's just one scene in The Joker that really pissed me off where they... Um, where um, The Joker was like... There there was... Uh, he was hallucinating. He was dating the girl across the hall. And then, you know, it turned out not to be real, which, you know, very easy to pick up on by the way he was, you know playing his character but they had to show it they had to show all the scenes that where she wasn't actually there and that just really pissed me off that took me away from the movie because like we know like if you didn't know that you're a fucking dumbass um but yeah that part pissed me off but um that's why i like this joker so much you know he does you know christopher nolan has problems like that too like he'll explain to you like an oppenheimer he you know he had robert downey jr or, or no the other guy uh, in Oppenheimer at the end, who I think it was his lawyer or whatever, I forgot. But he was explaining everything that Oppenheimer was doing, and like what he wanted you to see, what what he wanted, uh, what he wanted people to get from it, and that just really pissed me off. I hate when movies do that, and Christopher Nolan does it a lot, but I still love his movies. Don't get me wrong. All right, number sixteen, my favorite superhero movie of all time we got Watchmen, directed by Zack snyder in 2009 uh i saw this movie in theaters with my mom when it came out and i did not realize how rated r this movie was gonna be uh probably the most graphic superhero movie ever that i've actually seen i think is more graphic than uh logan logan is definitely more on like there's happier scenes this movie is just depressing and involves politics and shit it's just very very like I don't know I can't believe I enjoyed this as a kid I just was shocked and just looking back I'm like damn I really sat through this like a hundred times I I, ha I have the ultimate cut of this I still need to see but um I have a really nice case for this my friend got me it for Christmas and he only paid 14 bucks for it like that was pretty awesome uh but a really nice case it comes with the uh the animated part too which I watched I love this movie um, I loved it when I saw it too. Like I, I watched it periodically. Last time I watched it was when I had COVID in December of last year, and uh, yeah, it was just great. I watched a bunch of movies during that time, uh, and that was my favorite. Uh, as you can see, it's number sixteen. Uh, 
Before this movie came out, this movie was basically impossible to adapt to the screen until Snyder got his hands on it. Now, he's made some iffy stuff in the past and recently, but this movie is definitely his best. I mean, my God. Um, all the superheroes in this movie are flawed and don't act like actual superheroes, but they still do what's right for society, and I think that's why I love it so much. Now, the comedian, of course, he was just... Yeah, he was kind of like a Joker type, but you know, I wouldn't say he was a hero at all. Uh, you, I wouldn't say he was an anti-hero either. Like he was just, he was evil, and uh, it's not a spoiler to say he dies because that's what the whole movie revolves around, and you should know that by now if you uh, if you haven't seen it. It's an opening scene. I mean, it's it's a great opening scene. Um, but yeah, he just there's there's one scene in the movie where um he's in they just did the Vietnam War. Doctor Manhattan's there. And, you know, he killed a bunch of people and uh, the comedian knocked up this one Vietnamese chick and uh, she wanted to have the baby. And he, of course, he didn't like he called She said she was a piece of shit in a piece of shit country, grabbed a beer bottle, smashed him across the face with it. There's a scar there. And, um, you know, he he shot her and killed her and then made Dr. Manhattan like Dr. Manhattan watched the whole thing. And he uh, he was just like, stop, don't do it. He didn't say that, but he was like. Blake, you know, and uh, you basically call him out on his hypocrisy, like, you really don't care about people, do you? I thought that scene was really good, really, like, it made me, um, it made me cringe as a kid because there is some graphic stuff in this that just makes you go, ooh, like the broken bones, too, oh, and that fight scene in the alley, like, yeah. Uh, I love this movie so much. I really, this is one of those movies that, like, if I watched you as a kid and I still enjoy it, you have a special place in my fucking heart. Um, Rorschach, definitely my favorite character in this movie. He's the most badass superhero ever. I'd honestly be more afraid of seeing him than Dr. Manhattan, although Dr. Manhattan, he'd be terrifying to run into. Um, but he kind of has to be since he's a god, basically, and could do anything almost. So, yeah, but as in, like, a regular person, Rorschach is someone I would not want to come across and if I did something wrong. But, hey, you know, if you don't do anything wrong, you won't come across him. Um, and I just love the violence and gory violence at that. Like, there's just so much violence in this movie. I love, this is how you need to make a rated R superhero movie. This is just how you need to do it. The soundtrack fits in perfectly. Another thing about the soundtrack, I mean, my God, Stranger Things 4, I will never watch Stranger Things again. Uh, they basically stole from this movie with Prute Igos and Prophecies. Prude Igo and Prophecies, I forgot exactly how to pronounce that, but um, it's by Philip Glass. One of my favorite, this, this movie got me into that song. It's like an eight-minute song, um, and it's just... And it was also used in, uh, it was basically the same for Koyaniskatsi. I haven't seen that yet, um, but it's the same song, just it adds into it but yeah um there's a sequence where that song is in the movie for like another eight i, I forgot how long i think it's like eight minutes as well uh with dr manhattan shows um uh, when he was younger um uh, and then what happened to him how he became dr manhattan and him being dr manhattan Stranger Things basically had blatant copyright with it, and I have no idea why Zack Snyder hasn't tried to file a lawsuit. It's like fucking the same fucking thing. Even the even the theme of that, like with Vecna and Doctor Manhattan, that has to do with time. Like the whole thing about Stranger Things four was with the clock, and the whole thing with Doctor Manhattan. He looks at his watch. He worked at a time factory. He was always working on watches, and it's just like, 
I don't understand. Like, people saw it as an Easter egg. Like, oh, look at that Easter egg. No, it's a fucking straight-up copycat. I don't know what the fuck. Like, why would they do that? I don't understand. I, I get why they would do it because it's fucking badass doing it in Watchmen. But you can't fucking replicate it. If people, you know, if people have never seen Watchmen and they've seen Stranger Things 4, they're like, damn, that's pretty cool. And then they go watch Watchmen. They'll be like, oh, that was done already? Um it's, it's the same exact thing. Slow motion too. Like there's so much shit in it that just basically copycat. I'd hate it. That's it really ruined Stranger Things for me. I really don't like Stranger Things anymore. Um, it wasn't just that. There's a bunch of other stuff that I don't like about it. But um, but yeah, that was, I don't know why, why they would want to rip off something that was just done so perfectly 13 years prior. I mean, my God, it was, it was a great scene. And now people will, will picture that song to the Stranger Things instead of Watchmen, which you should be doing. So yeah, it was, uh, other than that, I mean, yeah, I know I had to say positives about that, which is, it is a positive because I'm saying it's the best part. Um, but yeah, it was a really good scene. And, uh, this movie, you know, really got me into astronomy. That was, that was cool. I still love astronomy to this day. I love learning about space. And, uh, this movie has a lot to do with space because Dr. Manhattan goes up in space a lot. And, uh, yeah, it's just really cool. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. I love this movie. I talked about that a long time. My God. All right. Number 15. We're down to our top 15. Here we go. Uh, we got... Amadeus, directed by Milos Forman in 1984. He also, uh, this guy also directed One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which barely missed out on my list. Um, but that is a fucking fantastic movie as well. Uh, this movie won a shit ton of Oscars. I think it won like six or seven or eight or some shit. But it was well-deserved, of course. Um, I love the dark comedy and the way this movie alters history with the way the story was told. Um with uh, Salieri speaking from a mental hospital or whatever that he was speaking in. I haven't watched it in, in a, like a year or two, so memory's a little bit fuzzy on it, but I think that's where he's telling it from. Um, and yeah, it's just his side of the story and just how Mozart is just going completely... He makes Mozart go completely insane with uh, writing music and getting it right to the point where Mozart fucking dies <laughs> from just working too hard. Uh yeah, it's, just, it's funny. And the first time you meet Mozart, you're just like, oh, yep, that's Mozart, all right. Uh, no, but he's just like hypersexual. And he's just, his laugh, <laughs> it's like a real, maybe not exactly like that, but it's just a really weird laugh. Um, but yeah, uh, this movie's also pretty long, but it doesn't feel long. I love when movies are long, but it doesn't feel long. Like that just makes me want to watch it even more because you're just like, damn, three hours went by. I think this movie's like two and a half or three, maybe? Uh, or it could be more than three, honestly. Let me look it up. I know it's long. I've seen two hours and 40 minutes, so it was in between what I said. Um, and the funny thing about this is I showed my mom this movie, and she usually falls falls asleep to a lot of movies I put on. You know, she gets a lot. Of, she basically has narcolepsy without having narcolepsy. Um, and she didn't fall asleep. I think she closed her eyes like once, but she woke back up. Um, and finished it, and, like, she was, like, barely asleep for, like, two minutes, I'd say, um, but when, a, when my mom likes a movie that I like, that just makes it so much better, that means I could just watch it with her when, uh, when I was living with her before I moved out, of course, um, but yeah, she used to just pass out to a lot of movies I showed her, and, uh, when she stayed up for this one, 
that made me feel pretty good. That makes me know that it's. I just validates my opinion on this movie. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's just it's great. Uh, Mozart's a psycho, but so is Salieri, and I love. I love how he's so jealous of Mozart. And the funny thing is, I saw a Letterbox review on this, and they were saying um, uh, something about how the movie's named Amadeus, like Amadeus Mozart, instead of Salieri. Like even the movie title was better than uh, Salieri because he was just very jealous, and he wanted him dead, of course. Um, but yeah, it, just the costume designs, the music—it's just—it's just fun. There's a lot of scenes of the opera, like. Like, there's a lot of that in the movie, but <laughs> it goes well together. Uh, but, yeah. All right. Um, wow. I'm get, this is going on for a long time. I'm trying to get done faster, but, yeah. Uh, we got number 14. We got uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, directed by Wes Anderson in 2009. One of my favorite stop-motion movies of all time. Uh, you'll see there's one more higher on this list. Um I love what this movie's about and the color schemes, schemes, whatever. Um, Wes Anderson has always been stylistic with his choices of color schemes. Like, there's always, always some sort of pastel. There's always he, he, when you watch Wes Anderson, Anderson, there's just a style to him. You just know it's a Wes Anderson film. Like, you just know it. Like, there's a whole meme going around him last year or whenever it was, just directing a Wes Anderson film, and they'd make TikToks or whatever the fuck. And yeah, that's uh, just it, it's true. That's why. It's not a stereotype. It's fucking true. Um, I just like how it revolves around a family of struggling foxes where the dad likes to keep secrets from his wife and family. Like, he's just... It's just very... It's, like, so realistic with humans. Like, you could just be, you know... It's so relatable to it, even though they're foxes. And it's just... Uh, yeah, I, I like how this movie also um, is PG but could definitely be like rated R <laughs> with what they do because there, there's a lot of stuff in here that they could have made a rated R movie if they wanted to, which would have been, I would have liked to have seen that. But of course, you got to go with PG uh, for the family. You can make a lot more money. And honestly, I never saw it as a kid. I forgot the, last, the first time I watched it, but I was definitely a, at least a teenager. Um, I used to watch this movie high as fuck, and I thought it was pretty hilarious, uh, some scenes. Um and I, you know, you pick up on the little things Anderson was trying to show, uh, was trying to show us. And, uh, yeah, like, uh, there is a scene where, uh, the one guy, I forgot which character was, but he's like, I'm different. And he's rubbing his eyes. I'm like, Oh, cause he's talking about himself. You know, <laughs> the director, I feel like Wes Anderson, that that's a throw to him. You know, he was saying he's different. That's why he creates these fucking movies. Um, I thought asteroid city was, I did a review on this channel already, but, you know, I thought that movie was not really that good. I thought it was okay. Um, you got to be really into Wes Anderson to like that movie, though. You cannot be not you. If that's your first movie, you'll think he's a terrible director. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought Fantastic Mr. Fox was a great movie, and uh, Borges Bunsen Bean, Borges Bunsen Bean, la 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 la. All right, number thirteen, Lucky Thirteen. The Wizard of Oz, directed by Victor Fleming in 1939. I've only met one person in my life that hasn't seen this movie, and it still shocks me to this day that she hasn't. Now, don't get me wrong, she's not really familiar with anything, so I guess I'm not surprised, but this is the most watched movie of all time. Like, everyone knows this movie, everyone's seen it. Now, people don't want to have it on their list for some reason, but like, you sit back and watch it and remember as a kid, like, damn, 
that brings me back memories. Like, and then, and then I knew about the hanging munchkin back when I was a kid and it made it really creepy and stuff, even though it didn't happen and you could clearly see it was a bird, but you know, they try to make all these conspiracy theories that there was original footage of the actual hanging and the bird was actually put there or whatever. I don't know. It was just, yeah, they, but I, I like that kind of stuff. Um, I watched this throughout all periods of my life, an infant, a kid, a teen, and an adult, and it's just still one of the best movies ever made, you know, you can see the backgrounds now, as a kid, you didn't really pick up on that, but, like, now, as an adult, you can see, like, the fucking painted backdrops and stuff, and it's just, it really doesn't take away from anything just because it's just, like, it's just such a magical movie, you know, it's just everything about it, like, you know, the sepia beginning turning into color, like, I can't believe, I don't, I don't know what that would be like watching that in theaters, like, that'd be probably, you know, you take the acid, you know, you're in the sepia, and the come up starts happening, and you're like, okay, this, you know, is getting closer to that, and then it just hits you, and that's when the color comes on, you're just like, oh, fuck, that's how I compare it to, I guess, I just started saying that now, uh, I never thought of that before, but that's how I'm comparing it now. Um, the lore behind this, like I said, the hanging munchkin and just the horrors behind the, the filming of it, the abuse that Judy Garland had to take, which is really tragic, you know, really led her to barbiturate, bar, how do you pronounce it? Barbiturates. I always, people said barbiturates, uh, to me. So that's how I always pronounced it, but that's not how you pronounce it. It should be barbiturates, right? Barbiturates. I don't think that's how you pronounce it though. Excuse me. Okay, it is barbiturates. Um, that's how I thought it was. Um, um, but yeah, uh, barbiturates. Judy Garland got addicted to, and uh, you know she was told she was fat. You know that's just really sad. And, you know these these men in older Hollywood were really like really just degrade uh, degrading women all the time, and it's just very sad that it happened. But she did put on a good performance. And uh, it's just sad she got abused, though. And she was the only one really to get abused. And the other one, the Tin Man, the original Tin Man, he inhaled aluminum dust. And he is never the same. And he lost his role. So that just really fucking sucked. Um, and they used asbestos because that's when asbestos was viewed as safe. Um, nothing wrong with it. Um, in the snow. So, yeah. Uh, went through hell making this. I can't imagine. I feel like the worst would be the Cowardly Lion because... He, that suit was like actual lion pelt. Like it was legit and it weighed a shit ton. And you know, to get the color and everything, these lights were like over a hundred degrees. And he was in this fucking suit that was over a hundred pounds to wear. And he was just sweating and sweating and sweating. And like, I can't imagine what it smelled like in there. Oh my God. But number 13 in my list, it's worth it. And everyone's seen this movie and like, I think like a billion people have seen this. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I'm probably more than that. No, yeah, it'd be like, well, like two, three billion probably. Let's look it up. How many people have seen The Wizard of Oz? Um, is Wizard of Oz the most watched movie? It is. Okay, I won't say, but yeah. This came out the same time as Gone with the Wind. I think that got more Oscars, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, this movie is definitely better than that, in my opinion. Um, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. 
beautiful original song. Um, but after that's done, you know, she pets Toto. Toto's a very good boy. It leads to Miss Gulch on her bike. Dude, that was literally the first jump scare in a movie ever. Like, it just goes from a happy song. Somewhere over the rainbow. That part freaked me out as a kid. And it still does. Honestly, she did a really good job of being scary. And she almost fucking died too with the fucking fire on her face. There's so much shit that went wrong. You can look it up. I'm not going to go any further into it, but... Yeah, this movie will always be on my list. It will never be lower than 20, at least, because um, we'll see what other movies I'll see in the future. But uh, I hold it near and dear to my heart. Everyone just loves it. Some people might not like it for the fact that it's overplayed, like just like a song that's overplayed. But you know, you can't uh, you can't disagree that it's a great movie. Um, number 12, we got Clerks. Directed by Kevin Smith in 1994. The best part about this movie is the dialogue. That shit is the funniest shit ever. That's basically what this movie, its strong suit is like. You, there's not you know any cinematography, uh, cinematography scenes that you just like, ooh, that's good, because this is Kevin Smith's first movie, and it just like really was just bizarre that it it was just it came to be. Uh, I know the budget was very very small. Um, Let's see how much how much it was. I'm looking this up on the fly. Alright. Okay. So wait. Twenty seven thousand? That still seems like a lot. <laughs> but they made four point four million at the box office. Now twenty seven thousand, of course, is not a lot to make a movie. Of course you need some stuff that um you can't do with just no money. Um, but yeah, you can't just put a movie together like Skin of a Rink for even if even that movie was fifteen thousand, like that should not that should be like a a free movie to make. Uh, but they made a lot of movie at the box office. This movie made four point four million and that skyrocketed Kevin Smith to his career. And I actually really enjoyed Clerks too, even though there it's like really weird at some points that cashier guy um at the um at the fast food place, he had a lot of weird lines, but does take it away. I like seeing Rosario Dawson. I mean, my gosh, she's gorgeous. Uh, fuck. No, um, but yeah. Uh, there's just a lot of quotable lines in this movie. There's just a lot of stuff you could just say back to your friends that watch. I showed my friend this for the first time a couple years ago, and he it's one of his favorite movies, and we like to watch it. We're, every time we're looking for a movie to watch, we're like, you want to watch Clerks? <laughs> yeah, it's one of those movies you could just put on and just enjoy. It's just so much fun. My girlfriend sucked 37 dicks. A lot of crazy stuff happens in this movie. Uh, it's just like stuff that's over exaggerated, but every like cashier, retail employee will understand. Like, oh my god, he's going through hell. We all know it. Um, you just feel for the main character Dante for having to work on his day off. We've all been there. You you've been forced before. Even though he picked up the phone to go in, you know he still had to go in. And if my my manager's calling me, not answering the fucking phone. That's just not happening. Um. And Randall, you know, he he has a lot, you know, he, he is some sort of character, isn't he? Uh, he's one of the greatest side characters in any comedy, and he just makes Dante's day both better and worse. But most of the time, worse. You know, he, does, he doesn't like to work at his job. He's deaf. I've, I've run into a lot of people that act like him, um, but there's a funny scene in it where he's, uh, he's, uh, he's explaining to Dante about how, um, you know, if you ever try to suck your own dick and Dante's like doesn't want to admit it at first but then he's like yeah of course everyone's has and Randall just looks at him like 
I've never fucking tried. <laughs> <It's really funny. laughs> he just wanted to get him to say that. It was fucking hilarious. Um, I'm glad they didn't keep the ending that they had because that would have been bad because Dante would have gotten killed by a robber or some shit. That would have just been really depressing. I'm glad they took that out. Um, but yeah, this is a really funny comedy. Um, not my favorite comedy of all time, as you'll see. The next one is, and number 11, my favorite comedy of all time is The Hangover, directed by Todd Phillips in 2009. Now, I could see if you're a woman and you hate this movie because of all the derogatory stuff towards them and stuff, but, uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, you could probably, I know, I know a lot of women that like this movie, but this is more of like a bro dude man movie, you know, uh, I can't get enough of this shit, I mean, this shit could not be made today for sure. I mean, this is just not possible. All the humor in it, it just... I like how you can go back a little over 10 years to where this world was just so not oversensitized, oversensitive to everything. Where you can just make a movie, you know, and just worry about this minority of people that are just loud nowadays. You just get offended by everything. Um but yeah, this movie, I can see why if you're a woman and don't like it, though, for sure, because there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of derogatory stuff towards them. But, you know, the other jokes in it are really funny. I, Me and my friend, you know, when we, when we watch movies um, and a funny scene or a creepy scene comes on, we like to replay it a couple times, especially when it's funny. Uh, there's a scene where they both uh, don't know what happened, when they all don't know what happened, and they're in, they're by the pool, and they're all looking for what they have to see if there's any clues. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Stu is looking at his pockets. He grabs out a receipt. He's like, I got a receipt for the Bellagio for 800 fucking dollars. I'm so fucked. <laughs> we were just dying laughing at that. Oh my God. That's just, that scene is so funny. Um, I just love how he keeps getting pissed off at Alan. He's like, you are too stupid to realize. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, the characters, that sounded like a bit, it's so funny. Um, all the characters in the movie work very well together, very good chemistry in it. Um, you know, like I said, I love it when Stu gets frustrated with Alan, which is over half the movie. Um, you know, you probably wouldn't put this in your top 15 of all time, but for me, because I just like how hilarious it is, and I never have a bad time watching it. It's just, just for the entertainment value in itself, that's why it's number 11. So, yeah. Um, number 10, we're in our top 10 now. We got Young Frankenstein, directed by Mel Brooks in 1974. Okay, no, this is the best comedy of all time. Um, but yeah. I've laughed more at The Hangover for sure, and Clerks, but Young Frankenstein is just, it's, it, it's just a pure comedy. Um, you know, Mel Brooks, you know, he just knows how to make people laugh with his just, his stuff. Uh, the one scene where, uh, uh, he, uh, Igor has, uh, um, has that fucking hump on his back and he's like, and, and Gene Wilder's like, wasn't your hump on the other side? He's like, uh, <laughs> thought that was funny. Uh, a lot of funny scenes in this movie. Um, uh, this is a movie I like to watch during Halloween time. It always reminded me of Halloween weekends at Cedar Point because the putting on the Ritz was performed by one of the shows there back when I was a kid. And me and my mom always thought it was funny, and I didn't know it was from that movie, because uh, Putting on the Ritz was done by Taco, and uh, another guy, I forgot, but Taco was basically, uh, you know, the guy that popularized it, I think, which I prefer that version, but uh, yeah, they have Frankenstein doing it, and uh, a Frankenstein, Putting on the Ritz! 
<laughs> it's a good scene. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of good stuff this movie. Uh, Gene Wilder, he's a fucking beast. Uh, you know, it's just, like I said before, he's, he's awesome. And it's just so much fun watching this. And uh, this is a movie I try to recommend to people as much as I can. My one friend didn't enjoy this movie as much as I did, but I don't give a fuck. I enjoyed it, and that's all that matters. You know, uh, If you enjoy a movie and no one else does, don't let other people skew your opinions because that can be... I could just ruin it for you. Uh, but sometimes, you know, other people's opinions can really point you out to stuff that you didn't notice before. You'd be like, oh, okay, now I see. But this movie is a pure classic. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, in my opinion. I mean, and I love the black and white. I love the black and white with movies, like I said, when it's done right. And, uh, yeah, it's just... I need to watch it pretty soon again. I haven't seen it in like a, over a year or so. I need to put it on pretty soon. I know it's on HBO Max. Uh, I have the DVD as well. Most of these movies I have DVDs for, but much easier to watch it on a streaming service now. <laughs> so yeah, Young Frankenstein at 10. Number 9, we got Come and See, directed by Elam Klimov. Klim, Klimov, uh, Russian. Uh, 1985. Now, this movie is one of the most disturbing films of all time, and it is my favorite war movie of all time. I still need to see Threads, uh, which I was recommended to a couple times. Um, I'm sure that'll probably be on this list at some point as well, uh, if it's as good as everyone says it is. Um, this is a movie you don't have to see more than once, uh, but I do plan on it uh, just because I love everything about it. Uh, a lot of people say this movie is like really, really disturbing. That's why I saw the reviews for it. But I don't think it's as bad compared to something like Martyrs, which is actually just horrific um, and uh, it, really disturbing with the gore and stuff. But I'm glad it isn't like that because, as you can see, Martyrs isn't in my top 50. Uh, but it's definitely up there. It's in my top 100. Um, the kid actor does an exceptional job and really captures what war can do to you even in such a short amount of time. Like He's just so happy to be a part of the war and the rev uh, revolution against the Nazis. And just by the end of the film, he just looks like an old man that's just seen a lot of shit. And he did see a lot of shit. Um, there is this one scene in the movie, and I want to spoil it. But I think it's around 50 minutes in. He's with the girl. And they're running through the village with his parents where, where he grew up. And he's, uh, yeah, he, uh, they're trying to find him. And, um, you know, they have to go through the swamp thing. Uh, I forgot what it was called, uh, what they went through. It wasn't a swamp. It was something else. I can't believe I forgot what it was called. Anyways, uh, before they go in there, they're really, really disturbing scene that stuck with me and it's just it's for a couple seconds but the image of it is just horrific and just what what you've seen throughout the whole movie you're just like damn and you know the third act is just insanity with all the people that got captured and stuff and yeah the nazis are if you didn't think nazis were evil before after this movie you'll definitely think they are <laughs> for some reason if there's any nazis out there uh you'll see uh how bad you guys were no but if you're a nazi now you you know how bad you were you just don't care um but yeah if you uh if you for some reason didn't think nazis were bad i don't know why you would uh you'll definitely see it in this movie um but when you watch this movie, you need to wear headphones. Not saying you don't need to, but it really enhances the experience. The soundtrack is just perfect. It really, like, 
you're basically doing not a POV because you're not like looking through his eyes, but you basically are through a third person, um, you know, just filming him and uh, like you just follow this kid through the war and like when the when the war starts and the planes start dropping bombs, like you can like the sound of it, like when they actually drop a bomb, like they actually have the noise clear out in his ears and he's just deaf for a while and it just slowly comes back it doesn't come back fast like other movies you know they go they got the high pitch thing and it just comes back right away and you know there's a little blurry effect and when the hearing comes back on it's a clear image but for this movie no like his hearing gets damaged you know and they 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 let you know it like and it's crazy um that's what i love about this movie it's so realistic it's way better than um saving private ryan everyone thinks that's the best war movie of all time not for me. This movie is definitely the best one. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not a big fan of war movies, but um, this one is definitely the best, in my opinion. If you haven't seen it, go watch it right now. I swear to you. Um, all right. Number eight, we got Drive, directed by Nicholas Winding Refn in 2011. Ooh, that rhyme, baby. Ooh, that rhyme, baby. Um. This is the movie that got me into movies. Uh, this came out, like I said, in 2011, but I, I really started getting in movies in 2015, and this was the movie I sat down and watched it in my bed, and I was like, damn, that was good. <laughs> and I and I just love listening to the soundtrack after that, and now it's all popular, of course, which you know I really don't like when things get popular that I like and everyone could just... I don't care if it gets popular, just like I don't want everyone to be using the sounds and stuff. Like TikTok can really ruin a lot of stuff. They ruined Mulch at Doma for me. They were a nobody. I actually got tickets to see them in Cleveland, but then they canceled the show, and that was before they got popular. And then on TikTok, they became really popular. And um, yeah, I haven't really listened to them a lot. But before I, you know, I knew him, knew them and the caretaker with, um, with that, uh, the, the dementia album thing. I knew that before everyone else too, which is really fun to know. But of course it gets popular because it's really good. Um, but yeah, same with this, like Night Call uh, by Kavitsky. That is one of the best openings ever, uh, even though it's just him driving around to that song. But you get the beautiful Los Angeles shots. Um, yeah, I just I just love it. It's uh, it's great. The song, I, I still listen to. It can't be ruined for me. That song will never be ruined for me. Um, and just the other songs, uh, the chromatics, Tick of the Clock, and the opening scene, that was really good. Uh, Desire, Under Your Spell. I don't need... I don't sleep, I do nothing but think of you. And that just cuts back and forth from Ryan Gosling working on like an alternator or some shit to, uh, what's her fucking name? The actress in the movie, I forgot her name, but she was, uh, and it's just her being sad that her actual husband came home and she's got to deal with it and she he's a criminal, but she really wants to be with Ryan Gosling, the driver, and uh, she just can't. She knows she can't, but um, she's really sad. And I like how the song is just like it's the parallel of what they're actually showing in the movie. It's just perfect. Um, yeah, shit goes shit goes downhill though once uh, once he gets involved with her husband. I think his name is Oscar, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Bonito is the kid. Is it Bonito? I forgot the name of it already. <laughs> It's in my top eight, but I can't remember the kid's name. Benny, it's some B name. Um, 
forgot his name, but he did a good job. That kid, you, you kind of underrated. Nobody ever talks about his performance really, but um, yeah, he did a good job too as the kid. Um, and then Albert Brooks. Oh my God, he does a great Benicio. Okay, I was pretty close. Uh, yeah, but Albert Brooks, he does a good job as the villain. At first, you know, you could tell he's the bad guy, but you know, he there was nothing wrong. And then Brian Cranston, of course, everyone loves him now. Um, did a great job. He did a great job with the limp. Like, you know, it's, shit's pretty hard to keep consistently when you're in a, when you're acting in a role that that's massive. Like, you just gotta keep your leg limping the same way as you started. Like, that seems pretty hard, you know, just to do that. Um, and then Ron Perlman, he's always badass. Um, he was definitely the biggest villain, I'd say. He's not the most impactful villain, but he's the biggest one. You could just tell from the start that he was. Um, and then Christina Hendricks, she does a good job. Just all the fight scenes, the imagery, the fucking cinematography, it's all fucking fantastic. And uh, I'm glad I saw it before it got popular because, yeah, it was a really good movie. Uh, like I said, it got me into movies, so yeah. All right. Number seven, we got Little Miss Sunshine, directed by Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris. I loved this movie as a kid. Another one of those movies I loved as a kid and I love now because uh, of the swearing. And, uh, you know, I just thought it was funny that it's called Little Miss Sunshine. It's rated R. There's a lot of swearing, but Abigail Breslin's in it. Uh, she was, what, like seven years old in it. Uh, all the actors did an amazing job in this movie. It's just there's a lot of dysfunction even though there's you know a lot of more families have more dysfunction than this but this is truly if dysfunction was a family it wasn't like overbearing to the point where like damn they really can't be one but there's so many problems in it they just want to ignore it. they just want to keep on getting to this beauty pageant for olive abigail breslin and just things go wrong and just things there's some happy times there's some really dark and depressing times but it's just there's a lot it blends comedy and just drama together so well it's just a perfect film um there's a lot of wacky shit that happens in this movie like the when they when they drive the fucking uh beetle bus or whatever the fuck it's called the air horn just continues to go on. It just doesn't stop. It just starts, it picks up and everyone thinks they're beeping at, <laughs> at them. And then the whole movie, they get pulled over. And it's just, it's a great time. Um, but Paul Dano, there's a scene in the movie where it's just uh, really sad. And at, at the time when I was a kid, I thought it was funny because he just, uh, he was swearing a lot. I think it was funny, but I thought it was cool. You know, I just liked hearing swearing in movies when I was a kid. I don't know why. Uh, but yeah, it, um, he basically wants to be a pilot the whole movie. And uh, yeah, it just leads to something really sad. Um, and that was one of the most, probably the most impactful scene in the whole movie. Because it, it really drags on, but I'm glad it did. Because it's a perfect scene to drag on for. Um, and by the end of it, every character says, fuck it. I don't give a fuck. And they just come together, and it becomes very wholesome at the end. So it has a good ending. Uh, I like it. Love it. All right, number six, we got Blade Runner, directed by Ridley Scott in 1982. Now, this movie was my favorite movie for a little while. As you can see, I pushed it back a little bit further. But still, if you're in my top ten, I find you to be a complete masterpiece. Um, but funny thing is, the first time I saw this movie, I was in interactive media in my class in 2016 or 2017, and I fell asleep. I was bored. I really was really bored by it. Um, but 
I decided to watch it a second time because I thought there were some cool scenes in it. Um, so I wanted to give it a second shot, and I'm glad I did. Uh, it was just pretty much a perfect movie, almost, uh, I'd say. Um, I just love the set design and practical effects to it. You know, the just because the actual sets were like little miniature sculptures and stuff. And when I found that out, I thought that was really cool. Because, you know, people, if you were to do that digitally, you probably could nowadays, of course, well, yeah, you could, but back in the 80s, that shit was not possible. Uh, but you can't, you can't get that stuff nowadays. It's just, it, when you use practical effects, it's just, it, it works out perfectly all the time, usually, unless it's just really outlandish, but sometimes that works for that, too. Um, I remember I saw Blade Runner 2049 on Acid. I have explained that a couple times, and that was a great experience. Of course, I love that movie. Um, but I've just seen this movie more and I just like it more, even though the production was great for 2049 and love the fuck out of it. I mean, that nothing, not taken away from that movie whatsoever. It'd be my top 100 for sure. Um, I'm still iffy on Harrison Ford's acting in really any movies. And I think he has a little weird acting style to him. Like he's just like, you can tell he's acting, but in this movie, he does a lot better job than other movies he's been in like Star Wars. Laugh it up. Buzzball, like who the fuck says that? I don't like that. <laughs> that was such a weird scene. Um, and the soundtrack was great by Vangelis, dude. I listened to it all the time. Every song, and I used to like um, the one I liked the most was uh, the one sexy song uh, with the saxophone. I forgot what it was called, but yeah. I had a huge crush on Sean Young after that. I started watching movies she was in. I'm actually friends with her on Facebook, so that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, and I actually, I wished her a happy birthday, and she liked the comment. That was like, I literally came in my pants after that. That was pretty awesome. Uh, but no, I put on Blade Runner Blues and just closed my eyes listening to the rain, dude. It was, That's a song. It's nine minutes long, almost ten minutes. Um it's it's used weirdly in the movie because it was for a kill scene, but it works it works good. It's just one of those things you wouldn't expect to work good, but it does. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of violence in this. There's really there's a kissing scene. There's there's a nude scene in it with the one replicant. Uh, but other than that, I mean, this movie could have been PG thirteen, but I like how it was rated R. Like I I showed my girlfriend at the time this movie and. Um, you know, her dad didn't want to put it on because it was rated R, but we were trying to explain to her that it, him that it wasn't rated R in like a graphic sense, like Watchmen is or Clerks or whatever. You know, um, but yeah, so you can watch this with family. I mean, it's just not it's not something you can't put on, but um, don't let the rated R scare you if you're trying to watch it with kids. Hear that, in my nose? Um, and I love it when sci-fi movies are done right. I just when. I've said that for a lot of stuff now in this in this video, but yeah, when sci-fi movies are done right, practical effects, you know, it's great. It's great. There's a good story to it, and 2049 is honestly probably the best sequel of all time. I know Shrek 2 was up there for me, like I said before, but Blade Runner 2049, I, don't kill me for this, uh, but I haven't seen Terminator. I haven't seen the Terminator series, and I know Terminator 2 is one of the best movies of all time. I'm going to watch that at some point. I wonder where it would be on my list if I were to watch it. Um, the Matrix was pretty good. I wouldn't say it's in my top 100, but I thought it was pretty decent. Um, but yeah, this movie is my favorite sci-fi movie ever. Um, just everything about it is perfect. Oh, uh, 
excuse me. My God. All right. Now we're in our top five. And number five, we got Coraline, directed by Henry Selleck in 2009. This is a movie I fell in love with ever since I saw it in theaters. Uh, I saw it with my mom, and uh, I used to we used to watch this every couple of months all the time. She never fell asleep to it. Um, I wouldn't care if she fell asleep to it because we've seen it so many times, but she would never. And it's just such a magical movie. The stop motion is amazing. It's just a really long process, but when you get it right like that, it's totally worth it. Totally, totally worth it. I think this movie was in production for four fucking years total, so that's that's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, it's beautiful, like I said. It's just um, when she first goes into the other world uh, through the portal, it's just like everything is so magical and everything just seems so perfect, but you know there's something wrong because the other mother has buttons, the bell dam. Um, she's pretty terrified when she becomes her final form. I really don't know what her final form is. Like people think that's her at the end, which if you don't look too deep into it, that is. Um, but I saw a thing where she's just basically the hand. She's the, the hand is what controls everything. Um, but she can alter worlds. And, uh, there's a theory about this. If you know the movie, you probably know the theory, but I just found out about the theory just very recently. I don't know why, uh, I recently started getting back into this movie. Um, I'll probably watch it after this, honestly, um, where she never actually left the other world um, because um, when she goes in it the first time, she walks through the portal um, and they tuck her in a, in the bed, uh, other mother and other father, and she wakes up in the normal world and she never went through the portal. So, you know, there was people are saying that she um, she never left. And I thought that was pretty terrifying. But. If you don't look at it too deep, which I never did, I just thought it was a great movie. She definitely isn't in there. But um, if you want to think deeply about it, then yeah, it's fun to think about. Pretty scary to think about. Um, this movie uh, is pretty... It's terrifying at some parts for kids, but it's not that terrifying to the point where kids will be like frightened by it. Like some scenes, of course, like with the bell dam. But other than that, though, you know, it's, it's a very magical, fun movie to watch. Uh, yeah, I love it. Love, love, love it. Favorite animated movie of all time. All right, we're at number four now. And my number four is The Shining, directed by Stanley Kubrick in 1980. Kubrick? Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick is one of my favorite directors of all time. And my God, if you don't like his movies, there's something wrong with you. Uh, a lot of stuff I love about this movie. Uh, I mean, it's number four for a reason. The imagery and themes of it. The horrors. The just the one scene in room 237 uh when jack finds the fucking old woman in the shower while well, she was a young woman at first and she turned old with all these you know blisters and warts and shit on her fucking body like that shit is terrifying and when danny riding the bicycle around the corner you know it's a long scene and then it just ends up being the two girls come and play with us danny and uh just find and Shelley Duvall finding out her husband is just a whack job by the end of it, and just seeing that his story he was working on uh, was just the same sentence written over and over again for pages and pages. Like that's pretty terrifying to think about. Um, now the one thing about it that Stephen King I do agree about it is that you know Jack Nicholson didn't you know he seemed insane from the start you know, but maybe that was just because uh, 
you know, once you go in the hotel, you just become insane. They need a person to do that. Uh, but yeah, it's, I think I haven't read the book. I know people say the book is better. Um, and they say that the adaptation after that was actually more accurate, but I refuse to believe that, uh, because this movie was just so great. I saw it in theaters with my friends cause I saw it was coming. I was like, Oh damn. I went as Jack for Halloween a couple years ago. Um, I don't know how someone could think this movie is overrated. I've seen people saying they don't like it. Um, but for real, I think people just don't understand it, which that's okay. I mean, you don't have to understand it. Uh, you need to pick up on it a little bit, but there's a lot of stuff in it that you, you, there's just a lot of stuff. Stanley Kubrick does not put things in his movie that he doesn't want you to see. I mean, he's just, that, that's what he does. Um, but I really, my favorite scenes are probably in the gold ballroom uh, with Al Bowley in the background and he runs into uh, Delbert Grady in the bathroom. That was, and he just, that, that's the most terrifying scene in the movie where he's like, you are the caretaker. You've always been the caretaker. And then he just gives him, and Jack just gives him a look like, huh. Yeah, <laughs> that part was very creepy to me. I thought that was really good. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great movie. If you haven't seen it somehow, go watch it. All right, we're getting near. We're getting to the top three. And number three, we got The Thing, directed by John Carpenter in 1982. Still can't forget the first time I watched this. I mean, my God, you know, it's one of those disgusting movies that if you're really squeamish about stuff, probably not one you'll enjoy. Uh, but if you're into that kind of stuff, I mean, it's probably being your top three like me. Uh, funny thing is, this was not well-received at the box office. Uh, a lot of people hated it. The critics did not like it. Um, I don't know why. Well, it's probably uh, just they weren't ready for it. Uh, they, they were not ready for it whatsoever, I think, because uh, I definitely wasn't ready for it when I watched it back uh, whenever it was. Uh, yeah, this is... This movie's just great. The practical effects is what makes this movie work, not stupid CGI like the newer one that they made. And the funny thing is, they actually had practical effects for a lot of the lot of the thing uh, in the newer one, but they decided to get rid of it for some reason. Like, why? Why would you do that? That just ruins the whole fucking movie. Um, I, I'm not usually a fan of jump scares usually, especially nowadays because they're just so overused, and sometimes it just doesn't makes sense as to why you would do it just like you're you're just looking you're looking around and then like you're in a quiet house then all of a sudden you know like a toy comes out of nowhere or like a ball drops or like another person comes out and it's just a pointless but in this movie the jump scares work fantastically uh the blood test scene had me on the fucking edge of my seat and when you think it's everything's like, you know, something's going to happen, but like they make it seem like nothing's going to happen at the next point and that something does happen. And I thought that was really awesome. Um, and I just like how they get so paranoid and they think everyone is the thing. And I like, I just like the idea of this. Like it just, you don't know. And they're, you know, they're. They're uh, scientists and stuff, so uh, the one guy, Blair, he, like, researches it. He he understands what it is, and, uh, yeah, when everyone becomes a thing, or most of them do, just the effects are insane. Like, you just, I don't know. I could see in 1982 people being really freaked out by this because if I was freaked out in whatever year I saw, like I said, I'd be freaked out too. Like, man, it was... It was... This is one of those movies that is scary. It's, it's a truly a scary movie. Um, 
And when the first guy becomes the thing, I thought that scene was really, really good and really scary. Like, because the noise it makes, he has the hand thing on, and uh, they start him on fire. But before that, he's like, it's not like that, but he makes a sound like that. And uh, it was just, it's terrifying. Um, and a funny thing about uh, Childs, the one guy, the one of the last to survive, he voiced the cat in Coraline. I thought that was pretty cool. I just found out that out the other day. Um, but yeah, it has some of the scariest scenes in a movie ever. And if you haven't seen this, go fucking check it out. It is amazing. And the opening scene with the dog, you're just like, I remember watching them like, what is this movie about a fucking dog? <laughs> I'm like, how, how is this the scariest movie of all time? And once you... Once you see the movie and you go back to that scene, the opening scene, you're like, oh, shit. Like, at first, you're you're not rooting for the Norwegians because they're trying to kill the dog, and you don't know why. And the dog um, comes to the other base uh, with the Americans, of course, the movie that's based around. And, uh, yeah, it's just like, you. I mean, you want the dog to win, of course. We love doggos, you know. If it was a cat that had the thing in it, I would be, I'd probably try to save it too if I didn't know. But if I did know, it'd still be hard for me to kill it. Uh, but they think they're trying to, like, they're, they're evil people, but they're just trying to save them, you know. So that's, you know, once you, you, once you get to rewatch, you can pick up on a lot of things, and the opening scene changes drastically once you see it the second time because you know what happens. Uh, but, yeah. All right. Down to our last two. And number two, we got Halloween, directed by John Carpenter in 1978. My top two and three movies are by John Carpenter. Can you believe that shit? That is just crazy. So he has to be one of my favorite directors of all time, I guess, you know? I still need to see Assault on Precinct 13, but this is my most watched horror movie of all time. I've seen it ever since I was a kid. Loved it. My mom loves it. This is our both of our favorite horror movies ever. Um, the only problem with it is not the movie. It's the, the sequels that uh, created a lore around michael and did not keep it ambiguous um especially in the second one too like with the sister thing like if you keep this as a number if you keep this as just one film this would be regarded probably up there with everything else even though it already is regarded with a lot of stuff but if you just look at it as just the one film michael is terrifying you don't know why what why he's doing it, where he came from, you know, why he's insane. And just Donald Pleasance does a great job in the movie explaining why he's so fucking terrifying and why we need to kill this guy if you see him. Don't even lock him up. Just fucking kill him. Um, and yeah, just everything about it. And he just, he never dies. You can't kill him. You can't kill the boogeyman. Um, you know, this movie influenced horror forever. You know, like I said, with Scream, it influenced some bad horror movies after him. And there's some bad horror movies that came after Halloween, of course. You know, there's a lot of bad ones, like Friday the 13th. I fucking hate that franchise, if I'm being honest. Um, I think it's really boring and overrated, except for some sequels. But the first one was definitely not good to me at all. Um, but yeah. Well, the first one was Black Christmas and Texas Chainsaw. But this is just, this was different than those two. Um but Halloween, I'm watching ever since I was a kid. Nick Castle does a great job with the walk he does, the head tilts, the, and the mask. Oh, my God. The mask is just completely terrifying. And to think they fucking found it just by finding a William Shatner mask and cutting out the eye holes a little bit and painting it white and fixing up the hair. That's all it took. And it cost like two bucks to find that mask. And now it's just so hard to replicate what it looks like. Like no one can do it. 
Um, except in the newer ones, but it's a shame the movies suck, the newer ones. Uh, they just, nothing, nothing has ever been right after the first one. Like, I love Halloween 4, and that is my favorite horror sequel of all time. But if I, if we could just have the original Halloween and nothing else, I would take that. I would seriously take that. As what it was meant to be, it works out perfectly. It's just so terrifying with Michael. It's another movie in the daytime. It takes place mostly in, um, you know, he's just in the distance. He's behind the bushes. You know, Lori, Lori, you know, thinks she's seeing him, but she doesn't really want to believe it. And when the kids see him, you know, she doesn't believe it. And then she finally sees him. She's like, oh, shit, that's Michael Myers. Not my brother. Not my brother at that time. Just a psycho guy. Who had his eyes set on the babysitters. He, I feel like after, um, you know, well, with the one scene where he's staring out the, where he's staring at Lori through the school window, you know, I feel like I don't know how he set his eyes on her at the beginning, but he just like was following her the whole time, just stalking. I feel like people who don't think this movie is scary are stalkers themselves. That's where like, well, why is it so scary? He's just stalking them. Maybe you should stop stalking people then. You fucking cocksucker um i can understand why if this is your first time seeing it now and you didn't see it when you were a kid you might not think it's as scary just because it's it's a little there's some cheesy parts to it but the overall feeling to it is just creepy uh very very creepy and disturbing i love it there's a reason why it's hailed as um number one or if not you know a top top five horror movie of all time and it's number two on my top 50 movies of all time list so yeah all right we have finally reached number one and my number one is five nights at freddy's no i'm kidding goodfellas directed by martin scorsese 1990 i said martin scorsese be back on this list what did i say i didn't say where he was gonna be this is number one this is the only movie I could watch over and over again and not get sick of. Like, I could put this on, I could watch it again right after if I wanted to. Not going to do that, of course, but if I had to, I would. Um, I saw this in theaters when they replayed it uh, a couple years back in January, and it was fucking freezing outside. It was like one of those below zero days, and my I was afraid to go because my car was really old at the time. And, but I was like, man, this is my favorite movie of all time. I got to see it. And I went with my friend. We, we were both under 21, but they gave us drinks. It was like a special night. I, I don't know if that movie theater still does that. It was really cool to watch older movies. Uh, I forgot what other movie I saw there that was older, but who cares? Um, but yeah, we saw it. it was a packed house. We were laughing and just, it was, it was a great time. I brought alcohol too with me, not just the one they gave, but, uh, it was a funny time where I, I, I had this uh, passion fruit rum thing. I used to always drink before I turned 21. Um, and I dropped it on the ground and I put it in a water bottle. I'm like, oh no, my water's fizzing. And my friend just started dying laughing because there was alcohol in it. Um, but everything about this movie is just perfect. Uh, there's a lot of comedy in here that works really well. Tommy, Joe Pesci's character, like he does it perfectly. He can blend it. He can, one second, he can make you laugh and then the next he'll kill you like that's how that's how crazy and disturbing it is it really influenced a lot of mafia movies you could tell it influenced the sopranos which is my favorite tv show i love mafia things and culture in the media it's just it's just great um yeah but definitely the standout performance is is joe pesci and he deserved that fucking oscar like 
there's no way you couldn't give it to him. Like he was, he was just terrifying at his small height. Even though the real Tommy D. Simone was um, was like six five or some shit. Like the fact that Joe Pesci is however tall he is and he could be that scary. That just shows you how good he is as an actor. Um, the soundtrack. I love how it starts off so happy go lucky. You know, you're the you just want to be in the mafia. You're so jealous. You start hanging out with them. You're like, I'm getting more involved. And uh, he becomes a gangster, and um, it just ends up being terrible for him, uh, for Henry and uh, Karen. And, uh, you know, I still, I wouldn't think they would want to go back to that life, that normal life, even though, uh, you know, he, he's that right now. Well, he died, I think, but uh, the real Henry Hill. Um, but when he had to, you know, go under witness protection, he's probably fucking pissed. He's like, man, I had all this shit, and it's all gone. You know, you can either end up jail or dead or in the witness prote- protection program. That's literally all the things you have. And none of it, if you're in the mafia, none of that sounds fun. Um, people probably, they probably would think death is better than being in the witness protection program. That's that's how, that's how great the mafia lifestyle is. And this really just shows you, you know, how great it is at the beginning. Like, that's what I liked about the soundtrack. It's just, like I said, happy-go-lucky and then... You know, as it gets, you know, into the '60s and early '70s in the movie, it shows hard rock music, and the story starts going downhill for the characters, and everything just starts going wrong. And even though it ends pretty sad, honestly, it's still a movie you can just watch over and over again, just because the highs are highs and the lows are lows, like in regards to what's happening in the movie, not the quality. Because uh, the quality is high, high. And the food in the prison scene, that always makes me hungry. Like, the, look at the meatballs in that movie, like, in that prison scene. You'll see what I'm talking about. That meatball is not a meatball you would find in America. Uh, that's for sure. It's just, that that's pure Italian meatballs right there. It literally looked like a fucking everlasting gobstopper from the original uh, Willy Wonka. That's what it looked like. Um, but yeah. Not a bad performance this movie whatsoever, and I like how there's a lot of Sopranos characters in it, and they they were in that. It's just they're so they're so good. I wonder what if James Gandolfini would have been in this movie. I wonder what he would have done. He'd probably been a side character or like a background, like Big Pussy was. Um, but yeah, um, my favorite scene has to be well. One of my favorites, at least my favorite shot, is the tracking shot at the Copacabana when, uh, you know, he's taking uh, Karen out for one of their dates, one of their first dates, and he's just walking through. And he's saying hi to everybody, he's tipping everybody, and the, they're just following him behind, um, just going through the kitchen and stuff. Everything had to be perfect, and it, had, it ended with the comedian guy. Um, and what's funny is that they had to keep on redoing the shot because the comedian kept on forgetting forgetting his lines. So I can just imagine how annoyed they probably were. They're like, oh, my God, we might get rid of this scene, you know. <laughs> but I'm glad they didn't. I didn't think they were thinking of that because Martin Scorsese is kind of like a perfectionist uh, like Stanley Kubrick is. But he wouldn't get rid of it. Uh, but if they were, I could, I would understand, you know. Um, I'm glad they didn't. And, uh, yeah, it's just so well put together. The storytelling, everything about it is just perfect. And that's why it is number one on my top 50 movies list. That was a list for sure. Uh, that was something else. Um, wow. I hope you enjoyed. I'm going to get going because that was two hours. Uh, you know, just, I, I, 
I hope this is a good uh, good video to listen to before bed or, you know, when you're awake. I don't care. This is this is definitely something you could put on, safer later or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go because that was a lot. Bye.